Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of Jones Sports Live. We're Jones here with you. So glad to have you with us. Coming up on today's show, going to be joined by TJ Reeves of Compass Media Networks and also with a tune-in radio and the Kempe Buccaneers Radio Network. Uh, TJ is uh, headed out to Germany to cover the first ever NFL game in Germany as the Tempe Buccaneers taking on the Seattle Seahawks. We'll get his perspective on that. Also talk a little college football with TJ when he joins us coming up in a little while from right now. Plus, we'll have Coach Bo's Football Fix presented by O'Connor Advisory Group with our picks against the spread, both in college football and the NFL. And, of course, our segments, including the Big 12 breakdown, look around the uh, NFL and uh, our Tom Fulbright story of the week coming up at the end of the show as well. Thomas Bridges is here with me as Tom. We uh, are in an interesting time. You know, we, we had the election and all that. And I, I'm not going to get political here with the folks out there, but I just want to say, I just want the record out there, Tom, that uh, I recorded not one, but two votes for Dallas County Judge. I have only been in, in Dallas since March. And, I mean, I hear everybody talking about, like, oh, a red wave or a blue wave, whatever. We got a Jones wave. I mean, I didn't even campaign. I wasn't even, you know, putting myself out there. And I got two votes for Dallas County Judge. Were you one of them? I was one, yes. But the <laughs> other one, uh, I did not even tell anybody I had voted for myself. And sure enough, my buddy, Will Scott, who also works with me at Chat Sports, texted me and he said, hey, I just wanted to let you know I voted for you for Dallas County Judge. I'm like, Thanks, Will. So now, now who voted James? James voted for himself. There you go. <laughs> that's funny. And, and that's my boss. I received one more vote than my boss. So I am 50 percent more popular than my boss in, in, uh, in Dallas. I guess you got you got to start somewhere. Right? Yeah. I feel like, Tom, I might need to add that to my Twitter bio. Uh, received two votes in the Dallas County Judge election. Now, who won the Dallas County Judge election? See, that I don't know because there wasn't even any candidates listed. It was all right in. Really? Yes. That would be interesting because if I didn't know who the main person was, I'd probably write myself in, too. Right. I mean, so what's next, Tom? I know I got multiple votes. So if I win, I'm sure there's other Tyler Joneses in Dallas. How are they going to like know that that's that's for me? And, and do I get a phone call? Like, you think they're going to make me take the bar exam or something here? I mean, what, what, what do you think's next? Yeah, that is interesting. I wonder if the, the anybody who wanted to, I wonder if you had to register first. That's interesting. Right. And like, if I did win, could I just like be the judge without like having any law experience whatsoever? I don't know if that would be a good job or a bad job. <laughs> That's like, and I think I've heard about this before of guys that, won like a sheriff's election and they were never a cop. I mean, that's most rural towns, isn't it? Is it? I don't know. 
I feel like it is where they're like, they just been there for so long and they have like the most cows. And they're like, yeah, I guess you could be sheriff. <laughs> yeah, you got two more cows than Bob down the street. So I guess we'll make you sheriff. You get a bit, yeah, you, you're the sheriff now. Um, so, yeah, so I got my two votes. Uh, thank you to the people of Dallas, in particular, Will Scott, for voting in me. And uh, believing in me to get those uh, those two votes uh, here in uh, in Dallas, and who knows, I might uh, end up being a judge when it's all said and done. Uh, I did not have that on the radar, Tom. But uh, if I were going to be a judge, I think Tom, I would I would be like my favorite TV judge, Judge Steve Harvey. Uh, that's how I would probably govern. I'd probably be like Steve Harvey. I could see that, that, or you could just be said Judge Judy, be just Judge Jones. Judge Jones, that could work. That could. could work. Yeah. I don't know. I, I I think you might be old enough. Do you ever remember watching the Amanda Bynes show growing up? Oh yeah. She used to have the Judge episode, and they instead, you know, at the end they'd say, "Bring in the lobsters." Yeah. There you go. Um. My my favorite judge, maybe ever. You know, go back to sports world. Do you remember Aaron? that old show, College Football Final, when Reese Davis would be the judge and rule every oh. week between Mark May <laughs> and Lou Holtz? Yeah, yeah, that's funny. I do remember that. They had the whole get up and everything. And Mark Mark May would beat Lou Holtz every week, no matter what Lou said. Yeah, that is that man. That's been a while since I. Uh, I don't have to go back and watch a rerun. Oh, those were the days. Uh, the Gen Zers will never relate. Uh, maybe Reese Davis needs to be a judge. Maybe. I'd like oh, man. Nonetheless, uh, election day in the books, and uh, we will uh, move on and uh, get to the business of the day. Tom, our uh, look around the NFL, that's how we uh, get things started this week, and we're going to talk more about this later, but, I mean, I still can't get over that Jeff Saturday is a head coach in the NFL. I mean, it might be more surprising that Jeff Saturday is a head coach in the NFL right now than it is that I'm, I'm basically a judge in Dallas at this point. I'll tell you what. I am a fan of Jeff Saturday being the coach because it is just – this sets up for like a Ted Lasso type type thing where, you know, where if, if, if you haven't seen at least the first season of Ted Lasso, then I don't really care. Season three is about to come out for those of you listening. It'd be like where Rupert obviously cheats on his wife, Rebecca. Rebecca wants to tank the team. Rebecca is Jim Ursay in this and goes out and hires Jeff Saturday, who granted has played football and is a, a Hall of Famer um offensive lineman but at the same time has no prior coaching experience and the other coaches on the staff didn't get a chance jeff saturday did come out and acknowledge that he didn't have any coaching experience but he said he's still going to try and if it doesn't go well then you know he'll be done but he said he's going to fight like hell and do his best and that's all you can hope like if you're jeff saturday in that and they give you a call and they say, hey, do you want to be the head coach of the Indianapolis Colts? 
Yeah. Would you say if they called you right now and they said, hey, Jones, uh, you want to be the head coach of the Colts? Would you not give it? Yeah. Wouldn't you give it a shot? Wouldn't you not leave Dallas and fly to Indy? Well, and, you know, if this somewhat works, just even somewhat, Tom, isn't this going to open up a whole can of worms here? I mean, you know, Josh McCown almost got the Houston Texans job. And he's the only coach at the high school level, but he's a very good high school coach. Um, you know, we've seen people talk about, what about if uh, Peyton Manning or Tom Brady was a coach or something like that? I mean, if this – now, I don't think it's going to work for one, but if it does, I mean, this would be this would be like how Derek Fisher got hired to be the head coach of the Knicks after never coaching before – Steve Kerr or some of these guys here. I, I, I don't think it's going to work, but I'm rooting for it to work, not only because I like Jeff Saturday, but I want to see what kind of can of worms this opens up here. I mean, yeah, Steve Nash, granted, he just got fired or mutually parted from the Nets, which, you know, if I'm Steve Nash, I'm probably – that's a favor in my eyes. You know, I would – you know, he's got all that money. He doesn't need to coach. And if I had to coach the Nets, then that would be horrible. But – uh, you know, I mean, we see it happen in the NBA all the time. I think it's a little bit different in the NBA because there's only five positions and there's not, you know, there's not 53 players you have to deal with. There's 15. And, you know, in basketball, you kind of, you know, if you're an NBA player, like probably throughout the course of your whole career, all the way down to like when you played as a kid, if you're an NBA player, there's a good chance you played every position almost. You know, at one point in time. So maybe that's where it's a little bit different. Um, I feel like there's a lot more moving pieces, obviously more people playing football. Um, but you know what? Best to Jeff Saturday. I hope he kicks ass. Um, and you know what? I mean, for the sake of it, how long, you know, if the Colts are, are continue just being horrible, how long until Jonathan Taylor says he wants out? And then, okay, you talk about, facing bad head coaches. What happens if Jeff Saturday goes out there and beats Josh McDaniels this week uh, with the Colts taking on the Raiders? Do the Raiders fire McDaniels on the spot? I think he's – yeah, I think he gets the Herm Edwards treatment, the end zone treatment. (laughs) You know, hey, and look, it worked out for Herm Edwards. He's back on TV. Yeah, Already? Did, did he already yeah. right back on TV? Yeah, he is. I'll have to look at the, I don't know where he went, but I know I did see he was back on TV. That didn't take long. All right, exactly. So, I mean, at this I point. I mean, we were at that Arizona State OSU game. He was coaching a, a, like a month ago. Two months ago, but yeah. Yeah. And uh, our, well, that's interesting. That is, uh, no doubt about that. Uh Tonight, Thursday night football, the uh, Falcons taking on the Panthers. Uh, Sam Darnold's activated. Baker Mayfield came in in place of P.J. Walker. Uh, what a what a mess in Carolina that uh, you know they've already there fired their head coach too. I don't I don't know what's going to happen the rest of the year for that Carolina team. It, it, it feels like they're just holding on for dear life at this point. I mean, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, what else do they do? You know, I mean, you get, you spend the, the, 
the um, you know the assets to get Sam Darnold doesn't work out. So then you double down, and then you go get Baker Mayfield, who's played just about as good as Sam Darnold did for the for the Panthers. And so now you you, you shell out for Chris McCaffrey, and you get a decent haul, um, considering his injury history. But then at the same time, you don't trade Brian Burns to the Rams who are going to give you two first rounders and look how bad the Rams are right now. Right. Um, and you know, uh, they took calls, I believe on DJ Moore, and they said, no, he's part of what we want. And so was Brian Burns. So maybe they have something in place. I don't know. They, they seem to think they have a core that they're going to keep. Um, but you know, for the rest of the season, what do you do? Yeah. Good question. Jags taking on the uh, chiefs. The Jags ended that five game Losing streak, finally, but at three and six, you have to think they're still out of contention at this point. The Chiefs barely squeak squeak by the Titans. Tom, I think two things can be true here with the Chiefs. One, that receiving core has some serious issues. Mahomes could not get the ball down the field. His receivers were struggling to get open. But two, and on the flip side of that, I think that was a bad night for the Chiefs against Tennessee, and they still found a way to win, too. I think the Chiefs are a really good football team, second best, maybe even the best team in the AFC, but they still have issues to overcome with that receiving court. I mean, yeah, they do. And, it, you know, some weeks it seems like they're going to be okay. You know, McCole Hardman had a couple of good weeks. You know, Juju Smith-Schuster has shown that he can be a playmaker somewhat. You know, we've seen Scantling have flashes of of being good. Um, you know, but outside that, it's like, well, yeah, you know, you have Sky Moore in the wings who hasn't really been, you know, maybe what they thought he could have been. Um, but they don't have a, you know, outside Travis Kelsey, they're kind of stuck, right? They just – are hoping and praying and wishing every week that someone has a great game. Right. Yeah. But you know, they, you know, no one necessarily, you mentioned the chiefs struggled against the Titans and, you know, ended up still finding ways to win. And at this point in the season, that's all you can hope for. Well, and uh, you know, the Titans, I know that they're off this week, but Malik Willis was clearly not ready for that stage. And they still were right there in the thick of things. That wide receiving court, I mean, we complain about Kansas City's receiving court. Tennessee's is maybe the worst in the league. And, you know, basically Willis was given no help other than the run game from Derrick Henry. And they still had a shot there. I mean, Mike Vrabel, that – Mike Vrabel's as good as it gets, man. I'm a – I'm a Mike Vrabel fan. I mean, that's it's amazing what he's gotten out of that that Tennessee Titans team right now. I mean, they I know that the Chiefs won, but I felt like Vrabel outcoached uh Andy Reid big time on Sunday. I mean, yeah, that's the reason, you know, that the, the the Titans can have a quarterback like Tannehill and have just a lackluster offense outside of Derrick Henry. Um, you know, that's just a testament to Mike Vrabel because if that had been any other coach, then it could have gone a lot worse. Yeah. Or it would be worse. 
Um, Seahawks and Buccaneers. We'll have more on this when uh, TJ stops by and joins us uh, coming up later. But um, what an interesting game here. And I think this game, Tom, is going to tell us a lot about both these teams. The Seahawks are hot. They've won four in a row. The Bucs got a win against the Rams last week, you know, down the final stretch there. And you look at this, the Bucs have to keep on winning. You know, they need to build up some momentum. The Seahawks are still trying to prove themselves. I mean, even with as well as Seattle's played, six and three, they're still an underdog this week. This is a huge game for both these teams. Oh, yeah, it's huge. And it is in Germany, first game in Germany. I mean, that's just, this is pretty big. I mean, this is a pretty solid solid stage for both of these teams. And, you know, Brady is dealing with all the off-field stuff with his wife and trying to figure that out and getting flack from every which side. They beat my Rams on my birthday in typical Brady fashion, you know. We don't know what the future is for Tom Brady either after this season, but, you know, we also didn't think the Seahawks would be in this position at the beginning of the season. So a lot of different storylines surrounding this game. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Vikings and uh, Bills. The uh, Bills will pick this game coming up later. They're about a a three-and-a-half-point favorite at home here against Minnesota. And the big story here is what type of Josh Allen are we going to see? And Josh Allen, correct me if I'm wrong here, Tom, has been pretty durable in his career. This is kind of untreaded waters here for uh, for Buffalo with not having Josh Allen at full strength. I mean, yeah, and you, you know, you look at the play style of Josh Allen, he routinely goes and gets the first down, hurdles people, does what he needs to do to get, put his team in position to win. And, you know, this is his first real, I don't know, somewhat injury, it seems. Um, so he's, you know, pretty durable. And I think there's still a good chance he's going to play. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a very good point. We'll see how uh, it ultimately plays out there. Uh I messed up earlier. I said the Titans were on a bye. Uh, correction, they're playing the uh, the Broncos this week, and that game is in Nashville. And uh, the Broncos at three and five, the Titans at five and three here. Um, you know, no diss on Malik Willis, but as much as we've criticized Ryan Tannehill as of late, he's still the better quarterback for now anyway, not saying that won't change later, but, you know, D- Denver is, is just good enough to scare teams, you know, to play teams close, play teams tight. To me, it, it almost sounds weird putting this much confidence in this type of game like this, Tom, but I feel like this game comes down to whether or not Ryan Tannehill plays. I mean, yeah, for sure. And, you know, and the Broncos are coming off of a bye. Um, and it's kind of a big game for them too. I think you have to beat this uh, beaten up Tennessee team if you're Daniel Hackett. I mean, you know, not only is there implication for the Titans, you know, playing as bad as they are, they're talking about getting a new stadium. 
in Nashville and all that heat that they're not really – they kind of fall from grace from the gritty playoff team that they were a couple of years ago. But, you know, the Broncos, I feel like this is a must win if you're Daniel Hackett. You can't – coming off of a bye, you can't lose this Titans team, can you? No, not at all. Definitely not. Um, the uh, Browns and uh, Dolphins here. Dolphins, three-and-a-half-point favorites. This is another game that we're going to pick coming up later on the show here. And, you know, this is a game that I think the Browns are going to compete more than people think here. But at three-and-five, and Deshaun's going to be back in what? What is it, like three or four weeks here? Tom, I, I wonder, are the Browns going to be out of contention by the time Deshaun comes back, or are they still going to be – in the thick of it, a chance to make the postseason here. That, I lean towards they're going to be out by the time he's back. Yeah, I think they, they're going to – I'm leaning towards they're going to be out as well. And uh, I do still think that Deshaun Watson plays immediately, um, regardless. Uh, I think they – you know, I think all of Cleveland is awaiting to see how Deshaun Watson plays. This will be the first time he plays in how long? Um, two years. Yeah, I mean, I'm, you know, I don't like what he's done off the field, but I'm very interested to see how he, you know, debuts. Yeah. Um, meanwhile, on the Dolphins, things are going good for this team. You know, there was a lot of controversy with the two ahead injury, obviously. And they're six and three. They're, you know, competing there with the Bills in their division. Jets are right there as well. And two is an MVP candidate at this point. 15 touchdowns, three picks. Tyreek's playing great. Waddle's playing great. That offense is humming. Tom, I'm, I'm very curious. Uh, are you all in on, on, on Tua? I know we were talking elections earlier. Are you, are you, would you call yourself a member of Tua not? Uh, not necessarily. Like one more victory <laughs> for Tua. He's got to be done, right? Yeah. I mean, maybe. I mean, I mean, we're talking already the head injuries. Like, I, you know, after that last one, or the the video I saw where he stood up, fell back down, tried to get back up, and then essentially collapsed. I was like, okay, well, that's it. Uh, you know, so it will be interesting to see. They got to keep him upright. They got to keep him healthy. They got to protect that man's head. So. Uh, I do like how he's been playing, though. The Tyree Kill trade has seemed to have been paid off. Yeah. Um, Cowboys and Packers uh, coming up. Mike McCarthy, Aaron Rodgers. Um, you know, you, you got this matchup between these uh, these two coaches uh, – or not two coaches, between, you know, former, former coach and player. It's going to be back in Green Bay. If if you didn't have the the other ongoing storylines of McCarthy going back to Green Bay and facing Aaron Rodgers and all this, if you just looked at these teams on paper, Tom, I think everybody picks the Cowboys. But all those other factors involved here is what makes this a very interesting game on our hands here that uh, I think might give the Packers more credit here. And it could. I mean – you know, aren't we due for one signature Aaron Rodgers game a season at least, if not multiple? I can't really think of a game this year that Aaron Rodgers was like signature. Um, 
to that point that we've come to expect. This could be it. This could be the signature Aaron Rodgers game. I mean, it is at Lambeau. It's still Dallas who loves to choke games away and be typical Dallas. But uh, that Dallas defense, man, I'm telling you, stout. Yeah. Uh, maybe the best in the NFL, one of them. Maybe so. Uh, a couple more games to uh, talk about here real quick. Cardinals and Rams. Tom, hear me out on this. Um, Rams win. And I know things haven't gone the way they liked, but I, I still like them better than Arizona team. Um, and I think that not only the Rams win, but I think that Cliff Kingsbury is unemployed by Monday of next week as well. I think uh, it all comes to an end for, for Kingsbury and Arizona here. I mean, you just look back at last week. I, I like Tariq Wolin a lot. Tariq Wolin's been great. One of the best defensive rookies in the NFL, what he's done for Seattle. That's awesome. But when DeAndre Hopkins gets held to just one total target and no catches, that's not on DeAndre Hopkins. That's poor game planning, poor coaching. And Kyler Murray has not developed the way that he should have at this point. That all falls on the coach. I mean, Cliff Kingsbury is holding this team back eventually wins enough. Enough is going to be enough soon enough, right? I mean, yeah, and I will say Hopkins did get four receptions, only 36 yards, though, um, but he did get a touchdown, but it's still. Okay, let, let, me, let me rephrase it. When Tariq Wolin was covering, was covering him, he held him to no catches. That's fair. That's what I was thinking you, man. I had to double-check my fantasy. I was like, wait a second. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, I don't know. I don't know how true that's going to be. I've seen that Kyler Murray is uh, potentially he is a hamstring injury, um, so which could really help the Rams win. Um, and they, they need one, you know. They need uh, <laughs> they need a win as bad as I need a lot of things. But um, at the same time, Matt Stafford is uh, in concussion protocol. So might see uh, John Wolford for the Rams suit up, or you might see uh, old UVA quarterback Bryce Perkins take the field for the Rams. And could be a, a good change of pace there if that's what they do and be a good time to test it out against this bad Arizona team. Uh, this is going to be a barn burner type game, I think. I, I hope the Rams pull it off. Chargers and uh, 49ers. Chargers at five and three. 49ers here at four and four, primetime game. Um, both teams have a lot of talent. We know that. Who needs this game more here, Tom? I mean, both these teams have not had their seasons go as they would like, but they're certainly not out of things and, you know, could get the ball rolling here. Who, who needs this more? Is it the Chargers or is it the Niners? Uh, you know, I think the the Niners definitely might want it more, but I think the Chargers need it. Um, a lot of talk. I feel like that Brandon Staley hasn't been the guy for the job um, for the Chargers. And, you know, they had high hopes coming in the season. They had this somewhat or supposed to have been stellar defense with the addition of Khalil Mack. And it hasn't really, you know, they just have been kind of meh the whole season. And, and 
I, I, I think in terms of job security, I think Brandon Staley needs to win more. Okay. Uh, last one, Philadelphia and Washington. Washington is at five and four. Philly obviously ain't no. I think Philly's going to run away with this game, and uh, it's not going to be close. Uh, funny story here for you real quick, Tom. Uh, I don't know what Carson Wentz's status is necessarily or if it's going to be Taylor Heineke. Uh, but <laughs> I, went to a, I went to a wedding a couple weeks ago, as you know, and I uh, ran into this guy that was a fan of the Commanders, and he was so excited that Taylor Heineke was getting the start uh, that Heineke was his favorite player. This was a couple weeks back. And I mean, he's a nice guy and everything. I'm not going to mention him in fashion, but I'm thinking in my head, I'm like, how sad is that for the commanders when your favorite player is a backup quarterback when it's Taylor Heineke? I mean, uh, the commanders may not be as bad as people thought, but, I mean, the Eagles should should win this one pretty handily. This might get ugly. I'd be shocked if the Eagles don't just – go out and take it to them. I mean, there's really no reason, especially all the controversy around is the team going to get sold to Jeff Bezos and Jay-Z or what's going to happen and all the the Snyder ongoings right now. I mean, it's, a, it's definitely – tell me when there's ever been a good time to be a D.C. sports fan other, outs, other than maybe outside the Capitals. Yeah, the Nationals won the World Series a couple of years ago. I guess that's true. And the uh, Capitals, Capitals aren't that bad, but I mean, I, I, we're trying to be more hockey oriented on this show. I mean, last year we said we were pro Dallas Stars pod. Yeah, I went. To, I've already been to a Stars game this year, so you have or you haven't? I have. Okay, see, there you go. So we're becoming more, you know, oriented. Dallas sports are a lot better than DC sports, so yeah. All right, uh, coming up in just a moment, we'll get to our Big 12 breakdown. T.J. Reeves standing by, Coach Bo later on, top full restore of the week as well. All ahead here on the Jones Sport this week, but time for our Big 12 breakdown. It's the Big 12 breakdown. Tyler Jones, Thomas Bridges here with you with a look around the Big 12 conference as we break down each and every game and go through some of the top storylines in the conference this week. And, Tom, we always begin each week with our uh, hot takes in the Big 12. And I'll start with you. Uh, give me your uh, your hot take. Uh, serve it up for me. What's uh, what's your hot take for the Big 12 this week? Um, hot take for the Big 12 this week. That is, uh, you know, a, you know, usually I would go in the in – the, in the way of saying, you know, when I thought about this, I guess before we started the show, knowing I had to come up with a hot take, I thought about, you know, Iowa State's going to beat Oklahoma State in Stillwater. But that's not very much of a hot take considering the way Oklahoma State's played. So I'll have to go. Iowa State's favored right now, too. Yeah, by like a point and a half. So I can't even take that route. So I'm going to get a little crazier on it, and I'm going to go ahead and say that – uh that TCU is going to uh, route Texas Ooh. and make, make that uh, seven-point spread for Texas look funny. Okay. 
my uh, my hot take. Um, I need to take a victory lap for a moment to congratulate my Kansas Jayhawks on becoming bowl eligible. Um, and Tom, you know, n- normally most years, if Kansas were able to beat Oklahoma State, I'd be thrilled, and you know, I, I would I'd be taunting you know whatever. But it doesn't feel me, as good, does it? It, it does. Does, but for me, I'll be honest. Um, it didn't matter who KU beat last week. Getting bowl eligible was was the was the story. Getting a top twenty five win at home, a team they hadn't beaten since two thousand eight, you know, all that was cool. But none of it was bigger than becoming bowl eligible. To me, that was the story. So I'm happy to see my Kansas Jayhawks finally bowl eligible. And with that said, there's three games to go. And a Big 12 play for Kansas. They're sitting pretty at six and three. Um, Texas Tech this week. Texas the week following. I'll be at that game. And then K-State to conclude the year. KU, Tom, is probably going to be underdogs in all three games. I think, and, and Jalen Daniels is probably back this week for KU. I think the Jayhawks go two and one in their next three games. I think they beat Tech this week, and then they beat either Texas or K-State, and they finish out the year 8-4 and four in the regular season. To me, that's how I see things playing out. So even though Kansas is going to be an underdog in every game the rest of the way, I think they finish out winning two out of their next three to finish the regular season. So what do you think about that for a hot take? I think that's pretty good. Now, I'm more interested, would you rather be – at the Texas game and watch them beat Texas? You've already seen it happen before in person. Or would you rather see KU beat K-State? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I'll say this. I think Kansas and Kansas State are going to be playing for a very long time, for many years to come. We've seen no indication that either one of them are changing conferences. We don't know how many more years Kansas and Texas are going to be playing each other. I want every single win that Kansas can get against, uh, you know, Texas and Oklahoma right now. Um, I think I would take another Texas win again over that K-State win just because of that scenario, uh, Tom, if that makes sense. Oh, it does. You only have so many more times that you'll be able to, to have a chance to beat Texas. So, no, that makes sense. Yeah. So uh, before we get to the uh, the slate of games this week and break down kind of the league standings, uh, the realignment side of things, uh, we talked about last week, Gonzaga potentially as a suitor for the Big 12. Now reports out this week from Dan Patrick that San Diego State could accept an invite from the Pac-12 and that doesn't really change anything for the Big 12 because if they wanted San Diego State, they would have had them. They chose, you know, those four teams and could have had San Diego State if they wanted to a long time ago. So, to me, I don't think that's a big deal. But what is interesting is that the Pac-12 still does not have a TV contract. Um, there's rumblings out there that the Big 12 hurt the Pac-12 when it comes to this TV contract, trying to get a deal done. And then there's still the elephant in the room of Oregon and Washington. 
of if they're even going to stay in the Pac-12 and if they're going to the Big Ten and all this. A lot of moving parts and pieces. And you know what, Tom? Like, I don't know if the Big 12 is going to be able to add those four corner schools like we want. But what I do know is the Big 12 is in the driver's seat. They have their future secured. The Pac-12's in shambles. Um, it's, uh, it's a good time. Things aren't perfect, but I think realistically they're as good as they can be right now for this league, comparably speaking to what the shape the Pac-12's in at the moment. I mean, yeah, top to bottom. I mean, at this point, you know, Pac-12 is kind of pulling on the scrubs. I don't know how bad it's gotten um, overall, but if you're, you know, Dan Patrick's ride in San Diego State Aztecs are going to the Pac-12, then, you know, is it completely down bad? I don't think so. I mean, geographically, it makes perfect sense. You know, you just, you, you know, your your Cali, your central-hearted L.A.-type teams are leaving. So, well, you know what? Why not just replace them with uh, San Diego State? Uh, not an overall terrible team, but not one that's going to be winning the Pac-12 if it remains anytime soon. To me, Tom, you know, as uh, the Pac-12 looks at expansion candidates and all that, San Diego State, like, okay, that's not a terrible ad. But the team that's been floated out there that I think if you're the Big 12 and you just get the laugh at the Pac-12 is if they make the move for SMU. SMU would never touch, you know, the, the Big 12 would never be interested in SMU. Um, you know, they've passed on them for so long. They would add nothing, obviously, with already having TCU in the same market and, you know, several other teams within the state of Texas and Oklahoma State not too far away in Stillwater. If that's the route that Pac-12 goes and adds SMU, good for SMU, no doubt that'd be an upgrade for them. But to me, that, that would be the, uh, the moment where we all just kind of, you know, are, are, are sitting there laughing at the PAC 12. If that, if, if they're going to go bring in SMU who the big 12 never been interested in. Yeah. And, and, you know, it would be cool to see SMU and TCU maybe in the same conference, but at the same time they play already. Uh, you mentioned the, you know, be over influx of Texas teams. I mean, hell, you'd have the, you know, what's TCU denomination, non-denominational, SMU. Uh, I don't know what they are, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, I see, I don't know. I don't know what they are. SMU is Methodist. You'd have the Baptist in Waco. <laughs> you'd have the, the Mormons in Provo. It would be, we would have to change the name to the Holy, Holy War Conference. Right. And we would have problems getting beer on road football games. Uh, yeah, I mean, we already had problems at Baylor. Uh, right. We don't want to go through that again. You know, no right. Uh, right. Yeah. I, I don't even know if we're going to be able to get coffee uh, at BYU games, you know? You know, I wanted to say the Mormons changed the rule now where I think you can drink coffee now. I, I, I do not know. Don't, don't quote me on that. It's either <laughs> – it's either you can drink pop with caffeine in it or it's coffee. It's one of the two. All right. Let's look at the uh, slate of games, the Big 12 Conference this week. 11 a.m., Oklahoma taking on West Virginia. The Sooners are an eight-point favorite. 
They need to win this game just to get bowl eligible at this point. OU five and four. Let one slip away against Baylor last week. Dylan Gabriel did not play well. Um, West Virginia has been a mess all season long. Tom, I, I expect OU to win this game, but what Dylan Gabriel are we going to see? It's been it's been a roller coaster for this guy all year long. Yeah, I mean, an under a roller coaster is an understatement as well. You know, I mean, from uh, coming in as you know, shades of people saying Heisman candidate to to now this, you know, I'm I'm more interested to see that, you know, that if well, assuming OU wins, um, is Neil Brown going to survive another week? Is he at this point? You imagine he survives the rest of the season and then gets let go after the last game. Yeah, I think at this point, Neil Brown is in for the rest of the year. I mean, at this point, yeah, what good does it do to, to you know, leave him at the airport type situation now? So, uh be interesting to see, though. OU has just uh, become the, the palace on the prairie, has essentially become the breakfast palace on the prairie, as many 11 a.m. kicks as OU is getting. Yeah. Uh, I think Bedlam's canceled next week, by the way. Uh, I, a quick trip guide told me I walked in. I got home from Vegas on Monday night, and I went to stopped in a quick trip to get myself a Red Bull for the next morning so I wouldn't have to stop in before work. And the guy says, he goes, I'm an OSU fan, but I heard a pretty funny joke. And he goes, uh, they're switching the kickoff time for Bedlam in a couple of weeks. It's going to be at 4 a.m. on PBS. <laughs> Thought, yeah, might as well be. Oh, man. Yeah, might as well be. Iowa State and Oklahoma State, the game's on ESPNU. Hopefully, you guys can find that on your cable provider. Um, Oklahoma State, want- an underdog, a one-point underdog. Um, this game, Tom, is going to be so ugly. Oklahoma State's got so many issues and so many injuries right now. Iowa State has no offense. Um, this this game, like, rake those leaves or, you know, go go do some chores or something. Like, th- this game is going to be hard on the eyes. Yeah, and you know what? I was thinking about, you know, a couple weeks ago. I was like, yeah, I'll probably get back and go to that game. Uh, no, I'm I'm not going. I'm going to save the money and and save that trip to Stillwater. You know, I'm. Some, You're going to rake those leaves. Well, thank God I I don't have leaves to rake. But if, <laughs> if I did, I would be probably raking the leaves. I will be. Uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I might even rearrange the furniture in my house just so I don't have to sit down on the on the, in the same spot on the couch to watch this game. Oh, man. Uh, Six o'clock window, K-State and Baylor. K-State is an underdog in this ball game. And, you know, you look at this Baylor team, big win against Texas Tech, uh, and then a big win against Oklahoma, beat Kansas the week before that. Three straight wins um, for Baylor. Meanwhile, K-State – coming off a loss to Texas after blowing out Oklahoma State here. I think Kansas State's a good team. I think K-State's legit. Um, Baylor, I'm not ready 
quite yet, Tom, I think, to buy in to this uh, three-game winning streak here. I still like K-State a little more than I do Baylor. Um, I think K-State looks like a more complete team right now. I mean, yeah, I still think this game could go either way. It is in Waco. If it was then in Manhattan, I think it could get a little bit more interesting. Um, I don't like Waco as that tough of a place to play, though. No, not necessarily, but K-State does play very well at home um, for the most part. Um, but, you know, it'll, it'll be interesting to see, you know, K-State uh, drops that game at Texas after having a strong October. Um, and, you know, should have – well, you know, they had the game against TCU that they should have, could have won, got their quarterbacks banged up, and then Will Howard, you know, came to play. Um, but, you know, it's shades of what could have been for K-State. They still are not out of it in terms of, of getting to, to Arlington and to face the other purple team. So we could still have an all-purple uh, Big 12 championship, and I think the likelihood is decent, but they will have to uh, obviously go to Waco this weekend first. Um, also in the 6 o'clock window, Kansas taking on Texas Tech. The Jayhawks likely getting Jalen Daniels back. Texas Tech uh, sitting at four and five on the season, coming off that loss to TCU last week. Um, I'm not one for moral victories, but Tech competed with TCU. They made that a competitive game. That wasn't decided until, you know, the fourth quarter, till late in that fourth quarter. Um, I think this is going to be an old school Big 12 shootout here. I like Kansas here. Uh, but I think we're going to see a lot of points between these two teams. Uh, yeah, it's going to be the classic Big 12 shootout style. Um, it, it will be interesting to see who Tech starts at QB. Um, I know Baron Morton, the uh, kind of the uh, surprise, one of the surprises um, in the Big 12, you know, third string quarterback uh, for Tech, comes out, plays really well against Oklahoma State, and then continues playing. I believe he did get hurt last week against TCU, which, surprise, surprise, they're pretty good at knocking out starting quarterbacks. So um be really interesting to see what Tech can do, but I, I really do like KU's chances here. Yeah, I, I, I do too. Last game, the game of the week in all of college football. Number four TCU taking on number 18 Texas. Texas a favorite at home. And man, this is gonna be this is gonna be a dog fight. Max Duggins played great all year. TCU has looked really good on both sides of the ball. Texas, we know that they have a great offense with uh with Quinn Ewers and company, but their defense has been inconsistent here. The difference in this, I think, Tom, is for me, what I'm looking at is TCU's defense. I think they can you know, rattle Ewers a bit, you know, cause some turnovers, you know, some stops, whatever. I trust TCU's defense a lot more than I do Texas's defense, and I think that's the difference in this ballgame, why TCU wins. Yeah, and they very well could. I, I think TCU has a great shot at it, and, you know, I already told you that my hot take of the week is that I think TCU routes them, um, and that's, you know, picking that hot take mainly because I think they could do it not that they 100% will but I you know I'll do my victory lab next week if if that comes true I mean TCU has a lot of firepower we've seen how Texas chokes it away 
in the second half or just outright just a stupid play calling down the stretch. So uh, until Texas can show me anything different, like uh, this is, you know, this is one of those that I would want to actually bet money on. I, I do like TCU to cover for sure and maybe just outright obviously win the game and maybe by a lot more than seven. So let's, uh, let's look here at the, the standings. TCU, if they went out, obviously they win the league and they'd be on the college football playoff. They still have a shot at the playoff even if they lose a game. They're the Big 12's only hope of making the playoff at this point. But then beyond that, who they'll face in the Big 12 title game, I mean, mathematically, you have, what, five teams all still a shot, technically with a shot, that are not eliminated, Texas, Baylor, K-State, KU, and Oklahoma State, all are still mathematically uh, in contention to go to the Big 12 title game at this point. And, you know, there's a lot of tiebreakers and stuff that are just way over my head here. Um, I honestly don't know. It's going to be TCU and then Texas, Baylor, K-State, KU, Oklahoma State, whatever it may be. I don't know who TCU is going to face in that title game, Tom. It, it feels like it's it's TCU and then it's everybody else right now. Right. I mean, it's up for grabs for sure. And, you know, I, I – would be interested to see a TCU-Texas rematch um, even after this week's game, um, depending on if it's close or not. So, uh, I mean, it could really be anybody. And, and the way that Duggan has that offense rolling, you know, I, I, at this point I'd say it doesn't matter, but I've been wrong before. Yeah. Um, and maybe if uh, – if TCU loses this week, that might pretty much guarantee that they do meet in a couple of weeks. I mean, yeah, the way that it would, you know, would end up being set up. I don't know. I don't know who could climb out of that hole um, to. Because to, you're going to get a loss for sure from the K-State Baylor loser. Right. And so. then at the same time, I mean, even if KU was to beat Texas, it's the tiebreaker still pretty much guarantee that it, at that point it, it would probably be TCU versus Texas. So there's a lot of interesting ways this could go. I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll definitely know more after this week, but it's, it's, you know, a lot of different, a lot of different things you have to let play out. No doubt. No doubt about it. TJ Reeves said to join us on the other side. Great conversation with him next. Stay with us. Joining us now is the one and only T.J. Reeves. You hear him on the Tempe Buccaneers radio network, also with Compass Media Networks covering college football and also the host of Three Dog Thursday with some of the best bets you need to make on the weekend. And he joins us right now just before he departs for Germany. T.J., how we doing? Hey, I'm doing fantastic. And as I joked with you just before we push the record button, this has been a crazy week. I mean, I've been around a lot of crazy weeks, but we've got the election that has gone on all over the country in the state of Florida. As we are taping this, we have Tropical Storm Nicole coming across the Sunshine State, and it is a it is a big storm, not a powerful storm, Tyler. Not like the hurricane was five weeks ago, Hurricane Ian. 
that was actually smaller than this one, but, but more organized, more powerful, and just devastated Southwest Florida and Fort Myers. But this thing is going to affect us Wednesday night into Thursday. And then, as you mentioned, Thursday afternoon, we got to get ready to go to Germany on the team plane with the, with the travel party for the Buccaneers playing the Seattle Seahawks, which I know you're very interested in with your other broadcast duties. Sunday morning, 9.30 Eastern time, adjust your time zone accordingly, 6.30 a.m. in the West, 8.30 Central, uh, 3.30 in the afternoon, Munich time. We are playing the first ever NFL game in Munich. So, uh, look, the Bucks have had struggles on offense in the continental U.S. Why not go to Europe, my friend, and see if you can straighten it out? Yeah, and it uh, should be interesting. And l- let me ask you about that. This is the first ever NFL game in Germany, and you have, you know, a, a unique opportunity. We-, we always hear about, you know, expanding the game, growing the game, right, and going over to, to Germany here where there, I think Pete Carroll said there was over 3 million ticket requests. What, what do you think? Have you made any of these international trips before? What's it going to be like? Is it going to be – a distinct home field either way, or are these just going to be football fans there? What's it going to be it's, like? It's interesting. So I have been with the Buccaneers and the uh, previous trips to England, 2009, 2011, and then 2019, uh, back just now three years ago. So uh, the the first thing that strikes you, when we were there in 2009, it's it struck me because they had just begun to play the International Series for a couple of years, and then we played the Patriots and Tom Brady, ironically, in 2009 is that a lot of the crowd at Wembley Stadium wasn't just wearing Buccaneers shirts, replica jerseys, Patriots shirts, replica jerseys. It was fans of every team. You would look and you would see somebody that had on a Brian Urlacher Chicago Bears jersey or somebody else had on, I still remember this, a uh, Ricky Williams Miami Dolphins jersey. And then you'd, you'd see replica ones too, like Joe Montana San Francisco 49ers would be there or uh, you know, Troy Aikman, Dallas Cowboys. There were jerseys, Tyler, all over the stadium that had nothing to do with the Patriots or the Bucks. And it was kind of the same way we played the Bears two years later in 2011. Um, and then we played at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, the newly renovated at that time soccer stadium, state of the art. And again, it was the same thing with fans of other teams. And what's interesting, the two fan bases don't get a ton of tickets. If my understanding is correct, it's only like three or 4,000 tickets per fan base and it's a lottery system, then fans can go on the secondary market and try to get them. The NFL sells them in a ticket package for the international. So the the answer is, I think there's great demand, great demand in Germany. There's obviously great demand from Buccaneer fans because when are you ever going to see a scenario where you're in Germany for the first ever game and Tom Brady is the quarterback? So I know personally about a dozen different people and families that are over there that got their tickets through the secondary market, through the Buccaneer lottery, whatever, to try to go to this game. So I I think there is going to be some interest. Clearly it is not soccer or football. That is their sport. That is King in Europe. And honestly, rugby is probably second. We don't comprehend that and understand that their version of our football is kind of rugby with the oblong ball. That's bigger than, than American football, but there are hundreds of thousands of Americans that live, work, and exist in Germany that are NFL fans or American football fans. And there are a bunch of Germans that became football fans because the NFL Europe played over there, Tyler. In the 1990s and the early 2000s, NFL Europe was playing in Frankfurt and Berlin and another city called Rhine. 
And so there, there are American football fans among the German people. So I'll be very curious when Friday becomes Saturday, Saturday becomes Sunday to see what this atmosphere is amongst the population around the game. Yeah, and I think a lot of people are wondering, you know, what's the the benefit for those for the team specifically? We know the NFL wants to expand their brand and maybe eventually someday have teams in Europe, but for the Bucks and the Seahawks here, the Bucks in particular. This basically checks a box, doesn't it, for them to be able to host another Super Bowl again, right? Well, that, that would be one of them, yes. And again, the NFL designated certain countries, certain new countries, Germany being one, and I believe Spain might be another one uh, because there was a Barcelona team in NFL Europe that had pretty good attendance um, in Spain. And so the, the Bucs were all about it. The Buccaneers, the Glazer family were all about, hey, if we can be one of those teams to go play a game in Germany and extend our brand, especially with having won the Super Bowl a couple of years ago, we would love to do that. Uh, so that is that is part of the initiative. And clearly there are certain teams, whether you're talking Dallas Cowboys, New England Patriots, Pittsburgh Steelers, they are they are going to always have fans worldwide wherever you go, but if you're looking to branch out in Europe, and that was part of the Buccaneers' motive uh, for doing that in the in the late 2000s and the early 2010s is they wanted to try to branch out, kind of partner it with Manchester United, the Glazer family, the soccer team that they own. So uh, we'll see. We'll, we'll see uh, what it is like and will it catch on and how many Buccaneer fans are there, how many of the locals embrace the Bucs. We won't know that till we're in and around it, and I'll have to report back to you. I love it. That's great. TJ Reeves joining us uh, this week, and uh, TJ uh, out there in, uh, in 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 Europe and Germany. What are you looking forward to? What do you want to see? Just as far as whether it's football atmosphere or things to do, I'm sure you already have some stuff on your list, right? So Oktoberfest is over, and one thing you know this about me because you've been out with me socially. I'm not a drinker. I don't drink beer, but everybody that I know talks about Oktoberfest, the beer, the beer stein. So I've got to go see. What some of this looks like, the aftermath, there's a, a place in Munich called the Hofbrau House. Uh, I believe that's H-O-F-F-B-R-A-U if you're scoring at home, the Hofbrau House. So we got to go see that. That's famous. Um, and there's there's some other touristy things you could do. You know what I'm interested in? Uh, and again, you are younger than me, but the nostalgia of this. I was very young and only learned about it much later, uh, becoming a sports fan and a media member. But the 1972 Munich Olympics were known uh, for uh, several negatives, including the USA basketball team losing the gold medal game to Russia for the first time ever, the Soviet Union, and refusing to get the silver medals because of the controversy at the end of that game with time being put back on the clock and what happened. Well, horribly in those Olympics, there were 11 Israeli athletes and coaches that were taken hostage by Palestinian terrorists that invaded and got into the dorms, into the Olympic Village, and took them hostage and ended up holding them hostage for over 24 hours and eventually killed all of them. Uh, and, and the German authorities killed some of the terrorists but didn't ca- kill or capture all of them. Horrible thing from back in the summer of 72. Right. And I have to believe there is, and I'm looking into it, a memorial uh, for those uh, Israeli and Jewish uh, athletes, coaches, and families uh, for what happened in Munich 50 years ago now, Tyler, that happened. So I would like to go see that and visit that as part of the culture. Of course, you got the food that's going on as we lighten it up. Uh, the, the Bundesliga soccer is off the charts, and they are playing this weekend on Friday and Saturday. So I will be interested in how much attention does that get. Of course, I don't know in the hotel 
is the tur- does the does the TV even have English speaking channels, or have I got to speak at the Dutch there to figure out what's going on with the soccer or whatever's happening on the TV? Where's the English? And, and is your watch ESPN app going to work? You know, I, mean, I don't know. Yeah, some get the internet. Stuff. Maybe find some stuff on social media that yeah. has some English uh, in it. But yeah, it'll be very interesting. Because they are over the top. And, of course, the World Cup is coming up, and Germany's one of the favorites. We're only a month away from that starting. Right. So the buildup the build starts for all of that. What I find interesting about this game, too, is you have two completely different teams. The Seahawks team that had no expectations, nobody thought was going to be any good, and here they are in first place in their division. Meanwhile, the Bucs have been, I mean, I'll be honest, a major disappointment at this point. But still in first That's place fair. in the division would be the number three and four seeds in the AFC, in the NFC here. Uh, very interesting test for both these teams to see where they're at. Well, that's a great point that uh, who had this as the scenario? I mean, if you, if you had one team as the top team or one of the top teams in the NFC in this matchup, it's going to be the Buccaneers. And with Russell Wilson gone, the Seahawks were very possibly going to be a one or two, ten, two, one or two win team, right? That's what was supposed to happen. Uh, excuse me, the script is the opposite. Uh, Geno Smith has been fantastic. Geno Smith has five 100 QBR-rated games so far this season. They've won six games, and the Bucs have bumbled their way to not being able to score touchdowns, especially in the red zone, and uh, and have still found a way to win four football games and are very much going to be in the thick of the race in the NFC South, especially if they can get a win on Sunday and get back to five and five. They're very much in the race. Uh, in the NFC South. So we'll see, but you're right. Th- this is not the script that the NFL had for Tom Brady and what could be his final year. Uh, this is uh, definitely going to be uh, different. Um, I'm curious to see how many of the 12s are there, how many of the Seahawks fans are there. They have had a tremendous first two months of the season, and this is a real, like the old Westerns, this is a notch in the gun belt. If they, I don't know how, I mean, I, I get it that the Bucks are kind of floundering, but if you get this win, and you're Seattle, and you're seven and three, you are looking like one of the elite teams right now in the NFC. Who had that scenario? Crazy. Crazy how that's uh, amounted to. Should be a, a fun game on uh, Sunday. TJ, let me ask you about a couple other things going on in the NFL, then we'll touch some college football. What in the heck is going on in Indianapolis? Frank Wright being fired, that's one thing. Not surprised. But Jeff Saturday is the interim head coach. How did that happen? Because you've got an owner that's very eccentric. I'll be kind here because I work for another NFL team. He does a (laughs) lot of odd things. He does a lot of crazy things. Did you know his father, Bob Ursay, who moved the Colts to Indianapolis from Baltimore, he did this same thing for the Baltimore Colts in the 70s. So Jim is like reenacting his father's footsteps where he fired the existing coach and hired a former offensive lineman I believe I have this correct to be the interim coach who had no coaching experience and the experiment failed. They went like two and eight the rest of the year. So Jeff Saturday is obviously a Super Bowl champion. So you have a link to the past. Offensive linemen by nature are smart. They are well-versed, especially in the offensive side of the ball. But there are real question marks. I mean, it's one thing to be coaching a high school team in North Georgia. It is something else to get into that NFL setting and have all of these high-priced guys look at you and take you seriously. So I'm very curious about that. 
Uh, and the fact they had already fired the offensive coordinator, Marcus Banks, right? The offensive coordinator the week before. This has disaster written all over it, but maybe if you're Ursay, you're just simply trying to stir it up here and gain some interest with a link to the past like Saturday because you knew it was going to be bad whether you kept Frank Reich for the final 10 games, eight games, nine games or not. Yeah, it's a great point. Uh, America's Game of the Week on Fox, two of the uh, biggest franchises in the league's history, the Cowboys and the Packers squaring off. Uh, and we're going to see Aaron Rodgers take on his former coach, Mike McCarthy, here. Uh, the game's in Green Bay. McCarthy's first game back in uh, Green Bay, I believe. Uh, doesn't this feel like kind of the last stand of sorts for uh, for Green Bay here if they have any shot whatsoever? I mean, it's got to be win or, or now if, if, if they're not already out of the playoff hunt already, losing to Detroit last week. Well, and they were so bad uh, in the red zone in that game last week, and it was so unlike Aaron Rodgers. And they're on life support right now for their playoff hopes. I mean, Minnesota, speaking of the uh, Seahawks being a surprise in the West, Minnesota now 7-1, and one, and I think I saw this. The, the Vikings have not been three clear in the Central or now the North Division in the first part of November since those Super Bowl teams in the 70s that you know nothing about because you weren't on the planet in the 70s. So it has been a minute. It has been like 45 years since they have been this far in front this early in the NFC Central or the NFC North. So for Green Bay, you hate to say must win. You hate to say season on the line, but it's almost that way here against the Cowboys. Because if they drop it, they drop to what? Three and seven, right? Yes. Wow. Who had, again, my same line, who had that script? For Aaron Rodgers and company, maybe to struggle without Devontae Adams, but, but who would have had three and seven in 10 games? Yeah, for sure. It's a great point. Uh, let's talk some college football now. Uh, the playoff rankings this week, and what's so interesting is TJ last week, a lot of uproar about how high Clemson was, how low TCU is, and then we get to this week's rankings, and maybe the only controversy might be that, okay, Ohio State's ahead of Michigan. Okay, one spot difference, whatever. They're going to play each other anyway. I can't remember the last time we talked about the playoff poll and didn't have controversy. Well, I mean, at this stage, because of the two losses with Alabama, because they were, they were going to potentially be the one-loss team that would maybe be in the four in front of like a TCU that would cause lots of screaming. And now you've had Clemson get knocked off. Oregon lost at the beginning of the year, even though it looks like they're going to win all things being equal to Pac-12 with only one loss and win the championship game. The fact they got blown out by Georgia, are they going to get back in the picture of the playoff? I don't know. But it is interesting, as you mentioned, Ohio State and Michigan to play at the end if they're both undefeated. Would the loser still have a playoff chance or not? Um, uh, certainly, if Georgia runs the table, does Tennessee have an argument with the Alabama win, with a Pitt win, with an LSU at LSU win that's looking better and better as LSU gets a couple of big victories, would Tennessee have a one-loss argument? Does Oregon have a one-loss argument? Uh, you know, it, it remains to be seen. Does Texas maybe mess this up? Of course, Texas has a couple of losses. Does Texas mess it up for TCU? Do they have a one-loss argument if they still go on and win the Big 12? We may have some one-loss mayhem before it is over and you got to let this thing play out and the one thing is for sure that committee loves the screaming they love the debate it fuels the sport they want controversy they love 
uh, jockeying the teams in that four for the college football playoff and leaving somebody out and having all the screaming. They want that. They it, they thrive off of that. So this is part of that game plan, I believe. Well, and, and with that said, I mean, everything seems fine right now, but we're not far from chaos at all. I mean, does a one-loss TCU, one-loss Tennessee, one-loss right? And I mean, like, the dominoes, they're about to fall in no time here. It, it is true. And, again, it will be cleaner if TCU can run the table and be the other team there hypothetically with the Ohio State-Michigan winner and, let's say, Georgia. Then you just got to find the fourth team out of all the one-loss teams. But, man, if TCU takes a loss this weekend and then you've got a Michigan-Ohio State loser, now, now you've got at least two teams that are going to have a loss that are going to find their way in again, much more screaming about who those two teams should be. So let's see how it plays out. Ole Miss is another team right now saying, Hey, yes. what about us? USC, Oregon, USC, yeah. true, right? USC lost close to Utah by a point on a two point conversion late in the game in the final minute or whatever. Uh, Ole Miss got obliterated in the second half by LSU. So that if we're parsing things, that would be up for debate. Uh, again, Oregon very much viable. If Oregon runs the table and beats USC in the championship game, let's say, I, I think that's a strong argument. If their only loss is to Georgia, that's a strong argument to have them in as well. Well, I think about Oregon here. You know, I love when we have these tough non-conference games. That's great. That's exciting. But, I mean, are you going to punish Oregon? Would you rather them play an FCS school that week than to take on the challenge of playing Georgia and going to Atlanta. Sure, it didn't work out for them, but, I mean, we all want to see these tough non-conference games. I mean, is that the better alternative here? I mean, what was the incentive for Oregon to schedule that game then? I, I think that, that it's a great point, and the committee has always looked at it uh, in college football and even in college basketball on strength of schedule and did you test yourself out of the conference, especially in the college basketball uh, you know, field of 68 when they're trying to decide on Selection Sunday. Um, but in this case, you got to give them credit because as you mentioned, they went and played a home away from home game for Georgia in Atlanta. That was, I mean, that's not a neutral that's site. A road game. Who are we kidding? That's not a neutral site. 75 to 90% of the crowd was Georgia Bulldog red. So again, if that is the only loss and you've run the table since then and beaten the likes of USC, uh, in the championship game, that's a strong argument for Oregon to make. And I'm not so sure those froggies. Still don't have an argument here. If they, I mean, if they beat Texas, uh, you've got to give them real consideration to be uh, in the four, even if they take a loss late in the year. A win at Texas may help them solidify that. Yeah, and down the stretch here, not going to be easy for TCU. Texas still on the schedule. Baylor still ahead. A Big Twelve title game coming up, which could be a rematch with Kansas State, who they went toe to toe with here. I mean, uh, TCU, it's. It's going to be tough going here for them to try to make this playoff these next few weeks. Well, it's a great point in the Big 12, and it's it's kind of the same point as well for Ole Miss, for example, playing Alabama this week. So they beat Alabama. Okay, great. What's, what's your reward? Your reward is you still got to play the Egg Bowl rivalry game, and you still got to win the SEC title game. Because if Ole Miss doesn't win out and has a second loss, they're not going to get in the playoff. It's Ole Miss. It's not Alabama. It's not the brand names. It's not Ohio State up at the top. So, again, I think it favors TCU to have some other teams obviously drop off where they could still have a loss, Tyler, and be in the mix here at the very end. If enough of the Clemsons 
or the Oregon USC loser, you know, pick one has a second loss like Alabama does right now. That benefits TCU to maybe only have one loss and still win the Big 12. Well, uh, we'll end on this final topic of discussion here. Let me, let, let's transition to realignment here. Uh, Big 12 got a new TV contract last week. They seem to like it. And there's a clause in there. They could get more money adding, you know, power five teams and such. And then we hear rumors, you know, Dan Patrick says that he believes that San Diego state is joining the PAC 12 this week at the time of this taping that hasn't happened yet. Right. Um, what do you, what do you make of everything right now? And, and the Gonzaga factor potentially in the big 12 here, uh, what, 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 what's, what's going on? What, the, how does this all unfold? The only thing we know is we're not done yet. I mean, there's going to be more, and it's probably the Big Ten that comes and raids some more West teams, if not Pac-12 teams. Yeah, so much for that friendly alliance, by the way, Tyler, with the right. ACC, the Big Ten, and the Pac-12, as somebody uh, eloquently put it in prison terms. Uh, Kevin Warren proceeds to shank George Kaliakoff the new uh, commissioner of the Pac-12. Let me just take USC and U- and, and UCLA, uh, shank you and leave you to bleed out uh, on that. And especially if they're going to come get Oregon. It's like you're and playing Washington. the game risk, right? Yes. But if they come get Oregon and Washington, that's it for the Pac-12. I mean, so the Pac-12 better hustle up and get their deal done because the Big 12 stabilized and got their TV deal. And man, for the likes of UCF, Houston, and Cincinnati, this is quadruple the money that they've been making. They're in the, the big winners in all this, aren't yes. they? Yes. But see, they stabilized and got the deal done before the Pac-12 could. And that's where the big that's where the Big 12 comes, uh, or that's where the Pac-12 comes into focus on okay, who's done rating that conference and how many teams is it? And more than likely, you might see a Mountain West team or two, a Boise State, a, a San Diego State. I was told two or three years ago by two different people that don't know each other told me the same thing. They said, watch San Diego state, the two Nevada teams, UNLV and Nevada Reno would be a package deal and Boise state as added members to the PAC 12. So if they are frisky, if they are looking to expand and stay alive and stay afloat, stay tuned on, because the argument was UNLV and Nevada Reno, Nevada Reno, being like the flagship school in the university system would be a package deal. You would get both of them. You would get a Legion stadium where UNLV plays their games. You could get San Diego state, which would have been in proximity to USC and UCLA. Doesn't matter anymore with them going to the big 10. And then Boise state is obviously a worthwhile athletic department and football program. That's in proximity to Oregon, Oregon state, Washington, Washington state. But the Pac-12 better figure that out in a hurry because the Big the Big Ten could easily come get two or more of their schools, and then they're basically finished, if well, that's the case. And if we could talk all about, you know, potentially them staying in name, you know, with, with the likes of Boise State, you know, San Diego State, whatever. But at the end of the day, if Oregon and Washington bolts, USC and UCLA are already gone, those four corner schools – you get the opportunity to get out scot-free just shutting down the whole league here. It doesn't mean that this league is going to be there by name here. They could shut down the whole thing and not have to pay anything and get out. Yeah, that's crazy, but it's true right now uh, because they don't they don't have any penalty to keep them. That's what the Big 12 did with signing it away for 99 years and all the penalties. 
Uh, that's how they're making it happen. The Pac-12 does not have that right now. And again, if if you are the Big Ten, uh, the smarter thing for USC and UCLA is to have a couple more Western partners, at least a couple more for some of the travel. I mean, who are we kidding that you don't want to make USC and UCLA come play Rutgers and Maryland all the way in the Eastern time zone First on a semi-regular basis. Um, yes. I mean, on a semi-regular basis, who are we kidding, Tyler? They would much rather have them at least have proximity to the likes of a Cal, which may be in the mix, a Washington and Oregon, some combination of two or four teams, and pair that off and call it the Big Ten West. Call it a different part of the Big Ten. We'll see. All right, TJ, uh, we got to go plug away where people can find you and listen see all your work. I always love being here with you on the Jones Report. Come find me, the Three Dog Thursday show on BetUS TV and the Three Dog Thursday podcast is the radio uh, version of that show. We have a lot of fun on BetUS TV, the BetUS YouTube channel. We've had you on a bunch before on Three Dog Thursday. We handicap college and NFL football with the underdogs only. We're interested in that. And then obviously I'm part of the Buccaneers radio broadcast. We'll be in Munich. This weekend for Bucks and Seattle Seahawks. What is this going to be in Germany? Tyler, I can't wait, and I'll report back to see if the Buccaneers can get to 500 in a foreign land that's never had an NFL game before. They've had minor league pro football, but nothing like this, and it's going to be some scene. So I'll report back to you. Let's see what happens this weekend. Should be an interesting weekend. Always good to be with you, my friend. TJ, I'm, I'm still waiting to do uh, my chance to redeem myself on Three Dog Thursday. I went 14-2 and two, two weeks ago. Well, we need you back on. We need those numbers. We need to bolster it. It's a date. We'll work you back in on Three Dog Thursday. Stand by for that. Let me get to Germany and back. Can I get some schnitzel? Can I can I go visit the Hofbrau house? And when I get back, we'll work on that for you with Three Dog Thursday. Okay. Let me go. Let me have another 14-win week again, and I'll be ready to go. I'll be warmed up. If you have another 14-win week, you better have your retirement plan all set up because that's that's what you do. You kick back. If you're, if you're winning that much, you ought to be able to kick back. That's your 401k, brother. You know, you the will. worst part about that, uh, I was in New Mexico for a wedding where sports gambling is legal there, <laughs> and I was so distracted by the wedding, I actually didn't put money down. I just but that's okay. It, my picks, so. it still makes for a great story, yes. and I still believe in you. Good to well, be with you, my friend. That's at least one of us. I'm glad somebody believes in me. TJ Reeves joining us. <laughs> Time for Coach Bowles Football Fix, presented by O'Connor Advisory Group. You can find O'Connor Advisory Group online, OAGKS.com, O'ConnorAdvisorGroup.com. You can also reach out to Bo by phone at 785-856-0720. That's 856-0720 to schedule an appointment today. And Coach Bo joins us right now. He's also the host of the Coach Bo Knows podcast, uh, out twice a week on all podcast platforms. Bo, how are we doing? Doing really good. How are you today? I'm good. I'm good, Bo. Uh, what's going on with uh, you and OAG, man? Uh, we are excited. We just made a deal with a company to expand our life insurance uh, portfolio, and now we can underwrite policies up to $2 million per person with no medical. So if you've been hesitating to get that term policy or you want some final expense insurance, you're worried about going through the medical, you don't want to get jabbed, we can take care of you now. So just check us out at oagks.com. You can just hit the contact us. I'll tell you all about it. We want to be your partner. OAGKS.com, OAGKS.com. Bo, uh, the uh, picks this week. Let's uh, run down the slate of games for the folks out there. 
Well, 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 before you do, what okay. are the standards? Um, how'd you do last week, Bo? I went seven, two, and one. Seven, two, and one. And you already had what a three or four game lead? Something like that. Uh, my week last week was not great. I went four, five, and one. Tom went five, four, and one. So you're you're starting to pull away a little bit here. And I was perfect in college last week. Sure. Yeah. Respect. No question. No doubt about it, Bo. And you he, know what? He was, the, per- he was perfect in he was perfect in college, except the game me and Bo put money on together. That's true. Man, Tom and I placed the bet together, and we bombed it. We, yeah, USC. Yeah, we were so close, too. That was a bad one. Um, but you know what's funny, Tyler? Last week we talked about it was – I think it was the um, the Bucks and the Rams. We said that three-point, and I said it might push. Yeah. And it did. Yeah. Should have given me nine to one, like I said, and I'd have taken it. I mean, yeah. I mean, that was uh... – I think that – what do you think, Tom? Like, he literally said his system, this is the push, but he can't pick a push. I think that yeah. count, should that count as a win for both? Should we go ahead and give it to him? No, you can't get let the rich get richer. He's already up. <laughs> <laughs> Tom's mad because of that USC pick still. No, no, it was, it, was, it was a good pick, though. I mean, that was – that was, and that was free money. That, that was free barstool money, so I didn't care either way. Yeah, we were we were sweating it though. I was like, I was sitting there like, oh come on, get back in the game. Yeah, then they blew it at the end. Yeah, it was close, but yeah, we were so, so close. So here's the slate this week. College football wise, it's number four TCU, number 18, Texas. Texas favored by seven at home. College game days there as well as Saturday night football on ABC. Number nine, Alabama taking on number eleven Ole Miss in the SEC game of the week. Bama favored by 12 on the road. Number 25, Washington. Number six, Oregon. Oregon favored by 13 and a half at home. Number 22, UCF taking on number 17, Tulane. Tulane favored by one and a half at home. Number 19, Kansas State taking on Baylor. Baylor favored by two and a half at home. In the NFL, the Vikings face the Bills. The Bills favored by three and a half at home. The Chargers taking on the 49ers. The Niners favored by nine at home. The Seahawks face the Bucs in Munich, Germany, with the Bucs favored by three. The Cowboys taking on the Packers. Cowboys favored by four and a half on the road. The Browns face the Dolphins, with the Dolphins favored by three and a half at home. Both will start on the college football side. Number four, TCU taking on number 18, Texas. TCU putting their perfect season on the line against a uh, Texas team that uh, has – been kind of hard to figure out this year they've had their ups and they've had their downs yeah um i uh i think texas is going to win this game i think this is going to be a really high scoring close game i'm taking tcu plus the seven uh but i think that texas is going to squeak this out i look for like a late field goal or something like that maybe two three points tops so i I really think i agree with you on the texas thing when they play extremely well they still give up some points. And, I mean, we saw Texas almost beat Alabama this year. We've seen them play a couple of games where they've been really good. We've seen them bomb a couple of games, too. And it's like, I don't know what we got. But I, they, uh, they, they've been scoring points lately. Last three or four weeks, they've been scoring big numbers. I'm going to take, take TCU 
plus the seven. I don't think Texas can beat that high-scoring TCU offense by that many points. Expect a high-scoring game. Yeah, I like TCU to win outright, let alone covered as an underdog seven points. They've had Texas's number over the last few years, too. I think they'd go ahead and take care of business, win and cover as a seven-point underdog. Tom, who you got? Yeah, I'm going to go with the Horned Frogs. I mean, seven's a lot to give to Texas. And, hell, Texas is a, a second-half second choker team, so – I don't think they could get far enough ahead of TCU even if they wanted to. Okay. So, uh, we're all going with uh, TCU here. Alabama taking on Ole Miss. Uh, that game in Oxford, Alabama favored by 12. Uh, Bo, disappointing loss for uh, Nick Saban in the Tide last week, but Nick Saban off a loss is always a pretty good bet, it seems. Alabama favored by 12. Is that too much? It's a, you know, Alabama, it's a, it was a um, depressing loss for Nick Saban, but not for Coach Bo. Uh, LSU took it to him. Um, here's what I'm going to say. Look, Alabama, I've heard all week people saying Alabama's done, Nick Saban's done. Look, Alabama's lost two games. The two top ten teams by a total of four points. They are going to put a whooping on Mississippi this week. Give me Bama. I will lay the 12 gladly. Do you think Lane Kiffin is going to actually beat or get close to Nick Saban with Nick Saban coming off a loss? No. I can't trust Alabama to blow out anybody right now. I think they win, but I respect Ole Miss. I think they can keep it within un, within 10 or so. I think Ole Miss covers that 12-point margin. Give me uh, Ole Miss here. How about you, Tom? I'm going to take – I'm going to go roll the tide here. Uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of shit talking this week um, against Alabama. And, it's you know, I, I, someone said it. I don't know who said it, but they said it's goat fuel for Nick Saban. And I believe it. And I think Alabama's going to lay a uh, – I think they're going to lay a 55-gallon drum of ass whoop on Ole Miss this weekend. Number 25, Washington, taking on number six, Oregon. Oregon favored by 13 and a half at home here. Bo, Oregon's been one of the hottest teams in the country as of late. They look like a lot different team than what we saw week one against uh, Georgia there. What do you think about Oregon favored by 13 and a half in a, in a uh, rivalry game here? If Oregon does not play Georgia week one, they're in the top four right in the college football playoff. They played pretty much anybody else. Um, they got killed in that game. They're paying the penance for it. But I don't know if anyone outside of Georgia is hotter than the Oregon Ducks right now. Washington, on the other hand, has played, has allowed a lot of points to some really bad teams. They've got a loss to Arizona State. I talked about that last week when I picked Oregon State plus the points, and we covered that by a point. I'm going to take Oregon, and I'm not going to worry about the points here. I think the Olympic Washington is very good. And I expect Oregon to come out and score a lot of points in this game. I don't think Washington's a very good team. Oregon's on a roll. Uh, I got the Ducks covering 13 and a half. How about you, Tom? Yeah, I got the Ducks as well. UCF taking on Tulane. The winner of this game might find themselves in the driver's seat for a New Year's Six Bowl and also the title race in the American Athletic Conference. Tulane favored by one and a half. And on top of all that, bowl. Tulane is not going with those three teams from the American over to the Big 12. 
I think it would be interesting if Tulane winds up winning the American when the others get promoted to the Big 12 here. One half point favorite. What do you think about Tulane here? Um, you know, I've been on Tulane all season long. I have made a lot of money on, on the websites and on the, on the, the apps on Tulane this year. Uh, Tulane is something like they've got the one loss, but they've only not covered twice. I'm taking Tulane. I think Tulane is going to win out. They are going to go 12 and one. And I think they end up in the Cotton Bowl. And they're going to have this is going to be one of their best seasons of all time. They are fun to watch. They're athletic as hell on the defensive backfield. Quarterback's a good quarterback. Tulane's for real. They are, they're not as good as Cincinnati was last year, but they're the best non-power five team in the country. And I think they're going to cruise on UCF. I think so. I like uh, Tulane here one and a half. Uh, and, and at home, too, uh, I love yeah. the way that they play. Their style of football, the way they run the football, uh, the way they do, I'll take Tulane one and a half. How about you, Tom? Yeah, I'm rolling with the green wave here. I, I like it. It's it's not quite Cinderella like Cincinnati was, but it's good enough for me. K State taking on Baylor. The Cats ranked 19th, coming off a loss to Texas last week. Baylor, it, it's been up and down. They've been disappointing from what they were expected to be, but they are a two and a half point favorite at home. What do you think, here, Bo? These two teams are Jekyll and Hyde, both of them. We don't know who is who weekly almost. Um, K-State plays better at home. Baylor's getting to where they're finally scoring some points in games. Uh, early in the season, they were winning, but they couldn't score any points. But then you see, like, both teams can play defense all of a sudden. Well, Baylor can play defense anyway, but K-State has a couple of games. They can play defense, and then they do what they did against Texas last week. I like Baylor, taking Baylor because they're at home. If this game were at K-State, I probably would take K-State. Um, but I'm going Baylor here. You know, close one. I'm going to go with a K-State here. I will say this. Um, you know, I like Kleiman, their head coach. But after the way Will Howard played against Oklahoma State, why on earth did they bring Adrian Martinez back? Should have kept with Will Howard, kept the momentum going. Whether it's Martinez or Howard, I think they're they're going to be fine either way. I'll take the Cats to win and cover as a two-and-a-half-one underdog. How about you, Tom? You know what? I, I like what Bo had to say about, you know, if this was in Manhattan, I'd take K-State. It's in Waco. I'm going to take Baylor. All right. So, Bo and Tom agree on all the college football picks. We'll see that if that continues. Probably a good start for me. To the NFL we go, Vikings and Bills. Bills favored by three and a half. Both the Vikings, one of the most surprising teams in the NFL. And we saw that they didn't play good uh, when they went up against the Eagles. And that's their only loss of the year. This is their biggest test since that game. Are they going to be better prepared this time around? I think so. But what I'm worried about with Buffalo is the situation with Josh Allen's elbow. I know he didn't practice today. Uh, they're being very hush-hush about it. it. It worries me that they're being so hush-hush about his elbow. But what I really think here is the Vikings, I look at Kirk Cut, and I still can't get past Kirk Cousins. I just can't do it. They've got a couple of great receivers, really good running back. Their defense has played so much better this season than last. Um I like what I see from the Vikings, but I don't like Kirk Cousins 
late in a close game. I'm going to take the Bills with the caveat that Josh Allen's playing. If Josh Allen's not playing, it completely changes who Buffalo is, and I would probably swing the other way. But this game being at home, if Allen plays, I think they're too good. Coming off a loss as well, I think I'll take Buffalo. I'll take Buffalo here. I'm not picking against uh, Buffalo at home right now. Uh, Even if Josh Allen doesn't play, that offense has been so good this year. Uh, I think they can find a way to get out of a game or two if if Josh Allen isn't all there. I'll take uh, the Bills at three and a half. How about you, Tom? Yeah, I also – excuse me. I will also take the Bills at home. (laughs) Okay. Uh, hope Tom's okay there. Uh, I guess the Bills got into him there, uh, or the, the Vikings got mad at him and caused something there. Chargers and uh, 49ers, the uh, 49ers favored by seven at home here. Bo, uh, the Niners sitting at four and four. Are they headed on the right track now? They are, but they have the same issue the Vikings do. There's a team that knows who they are. This is what, and what I mean by this is that a lot of people talking about the 49ers being behind the Eagles, like the second favorite in the NFC right now, maybe even ahead of the Vikings. The 49ers are going to run the football. They're going to play defense. They went and got Christian McCaffrey. It helps them even more. But in the end, close games are going to hurt the 49ers because they got a guy at quarterback who cannot go out and win a game by himself. I'm taking the Chargers plus seven here. And it's it's really based upon, I just don't trust Jimmy Garoppolo. That's too many points on a team. That's gonna, you know, this is going to be kind of a lower scoring game. A lot of points there. Okay. Uh, so there you have it. That's uh, Bo's bit going with uh, in that one. I'm going to go with the, uh, the Chargers here. Uh, I think the Chargers can take care of business on the road to make it within seven. Yeah. Uh, Niners probably win this game, but for me, Justin Herbert and company, I think they can keep it interesting anyway. I'll, I'll go with the Chargers to cover. How about you, Tom? Yeah, I like the Chargers to cover as well. I mean, I, I'd still like the 49ers to probably win this game. Hope they don't, but um, I, I still think Chargers can cover seven. If it was close, if it was any less than three, then, you know – it's too many points for 49ers to be covering like that. Let's head to Germany now. The Seahawks taking on the Buccaneers. Tampa Bay favored by three. Bo, Seattle's won four in a row. They're playing really good football right now. But an underdog once again, Vegas still does not respect this Seattle Seahawks team. Yeah, this is an over-excitement on Vegas's part because of the the last drive last week and Brady brings them back and they, they get the two point conversion. They win the game against a bad team. Um, Seattle's going to win this game. They're going to take it to them. Look, Seattle's the best team in the West. I like Seattle to come out of the West. I like them better than I do the 49ers. Um, Geno Smith to me has played like an MVP. I mean, he is in a top five quarterback level this season. He has the best completion percentage in the league. The Bucks offense can't score. They decide they want a 45-year-old quarterback to throw the ball 50 times a game when they got a running back they can hand it to more than six or seven times, who is a star. Until the Bucs start running the football, 
I'm picking against them every week. Give me Seattle. Okay. I'm going with Seattle here, too. I think Seahawks are a better team right now. They're red hot. Um, I mean, they should be favored in this game. I like them to cover, and I like them to win outright. Uh, I'll, go, I'll take Seattle here. How about you, Tom? Yeah, I like to see chickens overseas. Um, you know, I, I hope to see I, – I hope they can avenge the Rams uh, for what I had to watch uh, in Vegas last week and Brady ripped my heart out. Um, so, yep, I'll, I'll take Geno Smith. I'll ride with Pete Carroll. Pete Carroll should win Coach of the Year, even if Seattle uh, – you know, I would even say if Seattle were to lose the rest of their games, I'm still giving Pete Carroll Coach of the Year. I would go with Nick Sirianni for Coach of the Year right now, but Pete Carroll's certainly making a case for sure. Uh, Cowboys taking on the Packers. Cowboys favored by four and a half on the road here. Bo, uh, if the Packers aren't dead already, this is definitely a must-win game here with them as a four and a half point dog. Well, the Packers are dead already. There's just no way to best to put it. They're are they three and five right now currently. Uh, three and six. They've lost five in a row. Yeah, I mean, they've lost, they've lost five in a row. Um, at three and six, to legitimately get in the playoffs, they're going to have to win out. They can maybe lose one, but they're not going to do that. And Dallas is improving every week. I, I like what I see in Dallas. Now, look, I don't like Mike McCarthy, but I do like what I see in Dallas. They're a really good team. I think the Cowboys are the one team that may be able to beat in a one-game scenario to be able to beat the Eagles. I'm not saying they'd be a favorite, but I'm saying in a one-game scenario, they could give the Eagles a run. I'm taking the Cowboys here, and I have no dreads about doing it at all. Man, um, I look at this Green Bay team. they got so many problems right now. Dallas is playing good. I, I, I can't get over – uh, Aaron Rodgers taking on McCarthy and Aaron not wanting to give it his all to beat his former coach and that atmosphere is going to be electric. I probably still lean towards Dallas to win the game, but I think Green Bay can keep it within four and a half. I'll go to the Packers here. How about you, Tom? You know, I think Aaron Rodgers is, is he's looks washed. I mean, he threw like three picks last week within the 25-yard line. Um, Dallas defense, trust me, I, you know how I feel about Dallas Cowboys. I hate Dallas, but their defense is way too damn good uh, this season. I'll take Dallas. Okay. Uh, last game here, Browns and Dolphins. Dolphins, three-and-a-half-point favorites. And you look at that Dolphins team, Bo, two is playing good. Waddle and Tyreek look really good. A lot of good things going on for that Dolphins team right now. Three and a half point favorites. Uh, what do you think here? I think this is a closer game than most people think. Uh, I think the, the initial thing is to say the Dolphins laid a three and a half. It's an easy win. The Browns are coming off a bye week, though. So they're getting a little bit healthy. But in the end, there's too many weapons. You're going to Miami. That is a hard place to go play November and December. You're not used to it. It's still hot. I'm taking the Dolphins, but I, I, did, I didn't overreact on this one. I really did take a look at it hard, and I do like the Dolphins. Well, this is what I look at where I think the line is right. 
I think, and, and I don't know what your formula says or anything like that, but as you mentioned, Brown's coming off a bye. The Dolphins are playing good. They'll be tested here, but I think it's, you know, within that three-and-a-half, four-point game, I'll go with the Dolphins cover, but uh, a, a close game at that. How about you, Tom? Yeah, I will go with the Dolphins as well. It's, you know, too many weapons. I still don't trust Jacoby Brissett. Well, I never really have. Um, <laughs> uh, I mean, bye week, sure. I mean, it's still the Browns and uh, the Dolphins. If it, if this was in Cleveland, I would be a little hesitant. But in Miami, uh, there is, though, there is a Hurricane Nicole uh, about to make way. Um, in Miami and up the coast towards Jacksonville and yada, yada this weekend. So could be interesting. It could be. So there you have it. That's our uh, picks against the spread this week. And uh, Bo and Tom, let's uh, transition now, uh, go over some headlines uh, in the football picks this week. And uh, starting on the NFL side of things here, let's begin in Indianapolis. Jeff Saturday replaces Frank Wright. And I think we're all on the same page. Frank Wright had to go. It was time. I don't think Frank Wright is a bad coach, but it, it, change needed to happen there in Indianapolis. But then going to Jeff Saturday here, I like Jeff Saturday on TV. I mean, he's a good analyst. He's a smart football guy. But there's no business of why he should be the interim head coach of this team. I mean, this – this says everything you need to know that this team is intentionally tanking the rest of the way here, Paul. I, yeah, I don't know. Okay, let me let me get this right here. Um, this is I don't understand bringing an external guy as an interim coach. Yeah, I get that he's a Colts guy. He's obviously a friend of Jim Irsay. Um, but normally you have an interim coach. You know what you've got to do. You've got to take like an assistant coach and make them the interim guy. Um, that doesn't have to be a coordinator. I mean, they do happen to have Gus Bradley as a defensive coordinator who's been a head coach. Uh, this is one that surprised me, though, when I was thinking about it. I was looking at this. You know John Fox is an assistant coach in this team? Yeah. I just would have asked John Fox to be the interim coach for the rest of the season, give him a bump in pay. That way the coordinators aren't worried about not making play calls and everything else. They have a brand new offensive coordinator because they fired the offensive coordinator two weeks ago. This thing's been of a shit show all around. And I, I guess there's no way Jeff Saturday is the permanent coach of this team. But I do I look at this and go, what what are you doing? I, I well, he's and, not a, he's not a coach. Go ahead. Here's another thing too. I was thinking about this, the message that it sends to the rest of the league. You know, I, I heard Sean Payton say this week that he's interested in getting back in coaching, but that he doesn't want to go to dysfunctional organizations. So he's not going to be the Raiders head coach when Josh McDaniels gets fired. Uh, he's not going to coach Carolina, and he's definitely not going to be the Indianapolis head coach. I mean, like, we already knew Indy had problems before all this, but the way things went down just within the last couple of weeks, the issues are even bigger than we thought, I think. Yeah, 
And I'm not even sure that the head coach was an issue here. I This starts at the top. This franchise got rocked when Andrew Luck retired. And they've never been able to recover. They've never found a quarterback. I don't think that Matt Ryan was a good idea. I, I, I want to know who's going to call plays. I understand that like the wide receivers coach is calling plays. Have you heard this yet? Yeah. Sounds like Oklahoma State. <laughs> I mean, I don't I don't get what they're doing. It's like it it's very to bring in an interim guy, you know, like I said, for the for a part of a season who hasn't worked with these coaches, isn't really that familiar with the players as well. I mean, you can be familiar as far as you know, watching them. Jeff Saturday certainly does a lot with the with ESPN and everything else, but he's not in that locker room. He's not close. I, I don't get this move at all. This is a this is Jim Ursay just being stupid and rich. Tom and, loves the move. <laughs> uh, I, I I don't. I mean, I'm I don't dislike Jeff Saturday. Don't get me wrong. Right. But whoever gets this job as an interim head coach was never going to get a chance to um, be the head coach moving forward. So for that, I don't see that being a bad deal. I mean, like I'm looking at their coaching staff right now. Let's say, for instance, it was John Fox or Gus Bradley, guys with guys with NFL head coaching experience. You know, if you made one of them the head, the interim head coach, and they went out there and went 500 the rest of the way, would you give them a chance to head job? I don't know. At least with Saturday, this is where I can say something positive about this. At least with Jeff Saturday, if they go out there and they do better than expected, at least the expectation is you don't keep him. Yeah. So there's a low expectation bar from here. Right. So I get that. I just don't know how it's going to actually work on the sideline and in that locker room. Speaking of uh, Sean Payton, where's he coaching next year, you think? I've said from the beginning, I think it's Dallas. I think what's going to happen is the Cowboys are going to do really, really well the rest of the season. They're going to drop a game in the playoffs, and then, bam, old Jerry's going to fire him and have Sean Payton. What does McCarthy have to do to keep his job and avoid Sean Payton coming in? Go to the Super Bowl. If they lose in the NFC Championship, he's fired. If he loses in the NFC Championship – See, here's where it can come down to it. I'm going to express it this way. Yes. And the reason I say that is if they play the Eagles, let's just for argument's sake and just for testing this out. They play the Eagles, the current number one seed. That's a division team. Old Jarrah's not going to like losing to a division team. Yeah. Let's say it's not. Let's say it's the Vikings or the 49ers or someone like that. There's a chance that the Cowboys – would win, they would lose a game at home. If that was to happen, again, they lose their last game at home, McCarthy's not going to stay. I, I think in the end, Jerry Jones has flirted with Sean Payton before. I think they're going to make that work again. If that doesn't work, you know, Sean Payton's going to have his choice of where he wants to go. You know, San Diego could open up. Or not San Diego, the, the, the Chargers could open up. They're not well. The 
The Raiders could open up. I don't know if that's a good fit for Sean Payton. He talked about the dysfunctional thing. They're very dysfunctional. I, I don't know other than that Cowboys job, which I know Sean well, Payton also would want. If you're Sean Payton, um, if there's not a job that seems right, you don't have to come back next year. This could be another year sitting out. I mean, he's got all the time to find the job he wants. Uh, yeah, I agree. as far as that goes. Another yeah. name, and I want to bring time in here on this too. Um, you know, we, we heard Sean Payton come out this week, or not Sean Payton, sorry. <laughs> uh, Sean McVay, the other Sean. Uh, Sean McVay came out this week and uh, says that, you know, he wants to step aside when that main core guys with the Rams, when they all move on, you know, Aaron Donald and Matt Stafford and and, uh, you know, Jalen Ramsey and company and that group there. I mean, at that point when those guys move on, the Rams are going to be paying the price for the whole F them picks mantra. And you could argue they might already starting to be paying for that price right now. I mean, that makes sense. I mean, that, that, that seems like it with all the money that he got offered in TV this last time around. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't see that to be surprising that he's not going to be the Rams coach forever. No, he already did what he needed to do, won a Super Bowl. You know, has a great group, group of guys around him. You know, Aaron Donald's already talked about hanging it up. Stafford's in freaking concussion protocol right now. The way they use Cup like a dog, I mean, who knows? But, I mean... As a Rams fan, I've kind of watched this season unfold with the, you know, the F them picks thing. And really, the F them picks, you, you think about it, especially when we were one pick away. Ram, Rams could have drafted Creed Humphrey and instead took Tutu Atwell. Uh, so, you know, the, the luxury picks of wide receivers and fancy things like that. Uh, have, have, you know, been flashy for L.A., but their problem is they don't have a freaking offensive line. So uh, it could be, you know, we I think we I think you're absolutely right. We're starting to see the, the downfall. Uh, and if they don't get it turned around quick, I, I wouldn't see why Sean McVay wouldn't go to TV. He'd be great. I mean, is it a stretch, Bo, to even say that maybe even this year is the last year for Sean McVay in L.A.? I think I, I, Go ahead, Tom. I'm sorry. My bad. I was just going to say, I think that's a bit of a stretch, but that's just me. And I don't disagree. I think that there's still a way they can get away with, even if it's not Matt Stafford next year, they've still got Jalen Ramsey and Aaron Donald for a couple more years. I think that's more important. Do they uh, have Aaron Donald though for a couple more years? He almost retired they, this past offseason. They re-upped they re this deal. I mean, he had a three-year deal. But, I mean, he contemplated retirement. Yeah, but I think yeah was the ploy to get his money. Yeah, he wasn't. I think that was the ploy. I mean, he wants to. Get I'll say this: it, it feel for a team that just won the Super Bowl and has a young head coach and in one of the greatest defensive players of all time and all those pieces. It does feel kind of weird, though, doesn't it? Oh, well, it does. Yeah, I, yeah, I think that it's one of those things where you look at the Rams might have caught some lightning in the bottle at the end of the year last year. You look how much better that offense was when a month left in the season, they get, they get Odell Beckham. 
And they are, and it, Cooper Cup was great, and he had a great season. He's a great player. But boy, it really helped. It was a different team offensively when they got Beckham. They don't have Beckham. People are keying on Cooper Cup. He's not quite as good as he was last year. And that numbers wise, he's still a fine yeah. player. Stafford's been banged up. And, and look, I like Matt Stafford, but he's not that guy. Yeah. And that's a team that in the end, and let's be honest, the Rams were two seconds away from losing that Super Bowl. That game, if, if, if Joe Burrow stays up for one more second, the ball's out of his hand with a touchdown. Hey, listen, uh, we'll sack bitch ass again. Fuck Joe Burrow. <laughs> um, so, I, I, and the other thing about the Rams is if, if say you wanted to argue with the, you talk about the, the Sean Payton thing, the Rams don't have, without having first round picks, they don't have the draft capital to go trade in New Orleans to get Sean Payton's rights. Yeah. That's the other thing that's going to go on with Sean Payton. He's still under contract, and the Saints have said they'll let his contract go, but you're trading them something. And they expect a first-round pick out of it. It's interesting. That's for yeah. sure. I'll tell you one more place I'd float on the Sean Payton thing. What about Denver? Yeah. He's going to go smoke quarterback. Russell Who Wilson, Russell Wilson if you, draws if you a lot of comparisons to Drew Brees, too. He's a, lot, he's a lot like Drew Brees. Drew Brees had a better arm, but I mean, there's a lot of a lot of style similarities between Russell Wilson and Drew Brees. Yeah, it's an interesting idea. Um, that's for sure. Because Denver's oh, going to uh, let him go into Daniel Hackett sooner than later. You mentioned, you, uh, you mentioned OBJ. Um, uh-huh. Sounds like that he's still about three to four weeks away from being in playing shape. Um, where's he going to end up? I think he's going to end up either in Buffalo or Dallas. Dallas is making a huge push. Old Jared got on the, uh, on the, on the radio and talk, talking about him on the radio. And he's radio looking show. for a multi-year deal here. He is. And that's going to be hard for the, that's going to be hard for the Cowboys to do. With Buffalo, you've got a chance of going to the best team. And so I think that's some of it there. It's the same as, you know, the, 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 the dark horse to me on that is Kansas City. I mean, they made, they made some salary cap moves in the last few weeks to clear up enough space for this season to bring on Odell Beckham. I don't think Odell Beckham's getting a multi-year contract right now. I just don't. But if he goes to a Buffalo, to Kansas City, or to Dallas, he has a legit shot at going to the Super Bowl. Because Dallas, I mean, look, I don't think Dallas is a Super Bowl contender necessarily. They're good enough in a one-game situation. And frankly, if they get back they're even better. Kansas City, Buffalo, it's just adding another bullet to the gun, and it's a hell of a bullet yeah. to add. Uh, I saw... I do think if I had to choose one, I would choose Buffalo. Okay. But I think the Cowboys are not going to let him get away without – if someone's going to break the bank, I think it's Dallas. But I think it's in Buffalo in the end. Last NFL item, then we'll move on to college yeah. football here. We mentioned uh, we picked that Seahawks-Bucks game in Germany earlier. First ever NFL game in Germany. We've seen a lot of games in London uh, over the years. And we've seen more games in Mexico City as of late. Um, what's the end game here? Do you think? Do you think the NFL is trying to set themselves up to have expansion teams in in Europe, or is this still 
um, just about growing the game and having more games in different cities? Like, what, what, what's the end game here, you think? I think right now their thought process is grow the game in Europe, make it. I mean, look what they've done in this one for Germany. They went and sent the biggest thing they could send. They sent Tom Radio. They haven't done that with London the last few years. I have thought over the past two or three years that the London thing is a possibility for a franchise to move to. We know that, in, for instance, the Jacksonville Jaguars are owned by the Kahn family. They also own Fulham of the Premier League, which is also right there in London. So I could see that. I could see that happening. Um, but I don't know that it's going to be very difficult to have a team in London unless you had a whole division. Right. And there's no way you're putting four teams over there right now. They're not going to span the league by four teams. And there's not four teams worth moving. So I don't, I don't think that's the end game right now. I think it is about trying to grow the brand, the brand internationally. I mean, they're trying to grow the Super Bowl to being, you know, what, to be what it is internationally, what it is here. You know, trying to make it as big as a World Cup final, which right. you know, is, we don't really get how big that is here in America, but that's huge. And that's the NFL's eventual end game and goal is to see if the Super Bowl can be that big. I mean, in Munich, they have 67,000 seats available, and they had over 2 million requests for tickets. Yeah. I mean, that, that's volume. Crazy. That's alone. That's insane. Yeah. yeah, I mean, if it works, I mean, could you see in five, ten years a team in Germany, a team in England, a team in Spain, um, one in Italy, maybe. I mean, I, I don't know how that would work that exactly, but you have to have four of them. Yeah. I mean, it's a certain disadvantage and, to move a team to London and keep them in like the the, the, the AFC South or the AFC right. East. The the one I know that the Europe thing has been pretty popular and they're making a lot of money doing these games too oh, this yeah. way. What what I've always wondered though is the easiest international expansion would be north of the border and the NFL isn't even they've kind of gone away from even wanting to mess with the Canadian market. You know, the bills stopped playing uh, games in, uh, in Toronto a while back. Yeah. I think that the, the Buffalo stability now with the new ownership and their commitment to being in Buffalo, that hurts that situation. Buffalo is too close to Toronto to have a team in Toronto and the Buffalo bills. Um, they're, I mean, they're like an hour apart. I mean, it's people don't realize how close those two cities are. It's it's not like driving from Kansas City to St. Louis. It's like driving from Kansas City to, to Topeka. Uh, it's I mean, it's it's really that kind of close. Um, so yeah, I think that I don't disagree with you. And like, it would make sense to have a team in Mexico City and a team in Toronto, and, and maybe even a team in Vancouver if you wanted to have a Western team. You know, I, it could make sense and you could make it happen. The league's not there yet. And then you got to find, if you do expand this thing by four teams, you know, NFL teams like four or five billion dollars. How many people can buy that? Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, the last, the, the last expansion team was the Texans. And they paid a billion. And how many years ago that was that? 
That was like 2002. Yeah, I mean, we're talking 20 years later. It, yeah. it, it teams are selling now for four or five. I mean, Washington's going to sell if, for a load. If uh, if Khan stepped up and said, "Okay, look, you know, London's just not realistic because we can't have a team out there," but I want to move to Toronto. Do the other owners say no? Do they stop that? Um, you're talking about you're talking about the Bills trying to move there? No, no, no. If if Khan, the Jags owner, said, "Oh, the Jags owner wanted to," said, "You know what? Uh, London can't to- work, but I like the idea of Toronto." You'd have to realign the, the conferences, the divisions a little bit, but yeah, it could work. Um, I mean, what do you think, think the owners would say? Would they back that? I think the owners would be. Shad Khan's got enough. Um, he, he's got enough juice that it could work in that case. But now the NFL has that new pot of money that they're giving for free loans to owners to get new to get um, you know, new facilities. Yeah. I think instead of moving out of Jack, if they move out of Jacksonville, I would see the Jaguars actually moving to like Orlando, you yeah. know, or, you know, something like that. I, I, I don't see it. The, the bill, the bills certain, certainly wouldn't like a team in Toronto. Yeah. That yeah. would hurt them. And they've made a huge, that, that family's made a huge commitment to the city of the city of Buffalo because they own, they own the Bills. They own the Sabers. They got a new arena for the Sabers, and now they're getting a new stadium for the for the Bills. That's going to really upset the Apple Cart if you move to Toronto. I'd like to see a Vancouver team and have Seattle Vancouver rivalry. Yeah, I think that'd be a good one too. I I think it's more apt to see a team in Portland before we see Vancouver. Mm, yeah, give Oklahoma City. Yeah, and then I think that you could also see, you know, maybe a team in Montreal at some point. I mean, there is a way to do it. There's a way to say, okay, to give us Vancouver, Montreal, Toronto, and Mexico, Mexico City. City. Yeah. 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 And, and to do it, you find four, you got to realign all the divisions. But, I mean, that's what you'd have to do, and you could get it done. It would take a huge, huge commitment from the NFL. Yeah. Uh, college football now. The uh, college football playoff rankings, Bo, not a whole lot of controversy uh, this week and with the way the rankings came out. What's interesting to me when I, when I look at everything right now, everything's fine. Not much controversy. Everything's, you know, kind of fits itself for that top four, right? Yeah. But the dominoes are about to fall. I mean, TCU's got some tough tests last. They, they could lose this week, Texas. I mean, Ohio State and Michigan still got to play each other. Um, you know, this SEC situation still has to unfold itself here. LSU could be a two-loss SEC champion, and how do you leave them out of the playoff potential? I mean, everything's fine now, but it's about to get crazy. Yeah, so – what helps them right now for this week, you only got four undefeated teams left. So Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, TCU, it makes sense to make those the top four. But then where do you do? What do you do with Tennessee? Tennessee does not get a chance because Tennessee, if Georgia wins out, Tennessee has zero, cannot get into the SEC championship game. So, and their remaining schedule is, is lollipops. It's it's Missouri, South Carolina, and Vanderbilt. 
Yeah. So we know that Tennessee is going to be 11 and one. Georgia has, let me pull it up. I think they have, they've got Mississippi State, Kentucky, Georgia Tech. Um, I don't see them losing any of those three. So we know Georgia's going to run the table. They're going to be the number one team and they're going to be in the SEC championship. The SEC West, LSU now leads, but LSU's got two losses. They lost by one point to Florida State, and they got beat by 25 at home by Tennessee in a game that I was so pissed watching as an LSU fan that I turned it off. But first time I turned an LSU game off in seven or eight years. Um, so if LSU were to go in and beat Georgia, I, then you're going to have a whole shitload of arguments. Because the argument against Tennessee is, well, you didn't win your own division. The argument against LSU is, well, yeah, you beat Georgia, but you lost to Tennessee. And then LSU could say, well, we beat Georgia and Alabama, and no one's done that. Meanwhile, Ohio State plays Michigan in a couple of weeks, and what if that game's close? Yeah. What if that game is 25-23 and Michigan wins? Are you going to sit there and go, man, Ohio State's not very good? No, they're really good. Now, the winner of that game is going to probably get Illinois in the Big Ten championship game, and it's going to be a cakewalk. So you do have an elimination game between Ohio State and Michigan, but could a one-loss Ohio State or Michigan play their way back in by dominating the rest of the way, you know, before that, because that'll be the last game of the season for both of them, TCU's got it tough. I mean, they've got three games that are going to be brawls. You got at Texas, at Baylor, Iowa State. Now, Iowa State's the easiest of the three, but does anybody think TCU's going to beat, going to win at Texas and at Baylor? I think, I think, I think, I think they're going to win to Iowa State, and then Iowa State's going to ruin their, ruin their season. Okay. Now, Tyler, you think they're going to win out? I think they're going to win out in in the Big 12 regular season. Don't know about the championship game. I think K-State should have beat them a couple weeks ago. I think K-State could beat them in a rematch. And we don't know, because of the way we've got three weeks left, there's still so many teams that could be the second team in the Big 12. We don't really have a good idea. It isn't divisioned up like the SEC and the Big 10 are. So we got that issue. Then we got Oregon, who is just running through everybody out West. The only game they've lost was against Georgia in week one, but in a game they were not even competitive in. They lost by 45 in that game. I mean, it was ridiculous. But damn, they're beating everybody. I mean, Oregon has beaten UCLA already. They've beaten BYU. They've they've won every other game since. They still have Washington, Utah, and Oregon State. We, we've already said we're not big on Washington. Utah's pretty good, and Oregon State's kept every game they've been in close. The three losses they have have all been by less than a touchdown. And that's a rivalry game. And it's a rivalry game that's going to be at Oregon State. If Oregon wins out, are you going to say they can't be in? The only loss is the number one. So this is where I think what's going to happen is I think we're going to see a little bit of anarchy 
And I think we're going to come down to at the end. I think we're going to come down to two undefeated teams at the end. The Ohio State-Michigan winner and Georgia. I do think LSU loses to Georgia in the SEC championship game. As good as LSU's playing right now, I don't know that they can keep up with Georgia. But then you got which two teams from there do you think deserve it? And you're going to have willing teams with a one-loss Michigan, a possible one-loss TCU. If TCU runs the table and does win the Big 12 championship, they should get in. Any undefeated champion should get in. Then you got a Tennessee argument. You got an Oregon argument. There's a lot to do here. What if USC goes undefeated from here? What USC has already, they've got Colorado, UCLA, and Notre Dame who just beat Clemson. So let's go around the room real quick. Um, If you had to project how this all plays out, who are your four teams that are going to be in? You want me to go first here or Tom? Yeah, go ahead and go first, Bob. I'll take Georgia. I'll take Ohio State, Oregon, and Tennessee. Okay. I'm going to go with Georgia and Ohio State. Those are my two locks. And then I'll ride with TCU. And then that last spot, um, I'm, I'm going to make this interesting here, Paul. USC in that last spot. They got a hell of an offense, and the schedule, they're going to – if they beat Notre Dame, that's a huge quality win there that helps their case. Yeah. Well, and, and how does the Pac-12 championship work? Two best they don't teams. have divisions in football. No, it, it will probably be USC and Oregon in the title game. Yeah, so the, I'll take the winner of that game, and I'm assuming Oregon winning that game because USC can't stop – I mean, they're good offensive. They can't stop a nosebleed on defense. Yeah, welcome to the Lincoln-Riley experience. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Tom, Tom what do you think? What do you think? Yeah, I'm going Georgia, Ohio State, TCU, Oregon. Okay. I tell you, and I would I would venture, I'm really starting to believe in Michigan. If Michigan figures out a way to slow Ohio State down early in that game, Michigan can run away with it. Michigan, I think, is the best second-half team in the country. Uh, they are phenomenal in the second half. They get a little bit of a lead, and they run, run, run. They shorten the game. And they finish off drives with touchdowns, not field goals. Is that game in the horseshoe? Look, that game is at Ohio State. Yeah. Yeah. All right, last thing. Then uh, we'll end on this. Uh, College football playoff, we know it's expanding to 12 teams, just no matter what the timeline is, whether it's 2026 or 2024. And there's going to have to be a lot of factors involved to – get this ready in 2024. And one of those is the Rose Bowl. Rose Bowl, I guess, has got to be difficult to work with. Not surprising. Bo, if you, you had to hedge your bets on it, do we have the 12-team playoff by 2024 or not? I think so. I think this year is going to go a long way toward expansion because there's going to be more than two or three teams that are able to fairly argue 
they can get in. And it's going to be like, I mean, one through six, there's going to be an argument, maybe even one through eight when it's all said and done. I think that creates the argument of expanding this thing quicker. If the Rose Bowl, I, and we were talking about this before we started taping, I think that if, if their hang-up is they want to keep that game time, that January 1st, 2 o'clock local time, uninterrupted. Which they're under contract for till, yes. until 25. And the playoff, the college football playoff can make that happen. You can schedule things and make it happen. I I don't know the significance. I don't know. The problem becomes um, if you're trying to do a semifinal game and January 1st is on a Wednesday, that's going to be an issue. I don't know how that calendar works the next two years. So I, that would be the issue with, with the Rose Bowl. But I do think if you go to the Rose Bowl and you say, hey, we want to have these games on Saturday. And you can have the Rose Parade on Saturday morning just as easily as you can have it on Wednesday morning. You still got your same tradition. And they never compete with the NFL. This year's Rose Bowl is going to be on January 2nd, folks. Yeah. I mean, it's not like it's un- it would yeah. be unusual, like they haven't moved it before. Yeah, so. yeah. I, I think it's the Rose Bowl trying to be something that they're not. Look, I – yeah, the bowl I would lean towards the bowl to... that it's going to be 2026 because there there's too much egos involved. I don't disagree. I I hope you're right. I hope it's 2024, but I'm not confident about that. Yeah, I, I just think you're going to see a lot of disruption this year based upon there's going to be so many teams with a valid argument. Yeah, this is, so. this is going to be different than most years because yeah, with three games right. to go. You can legitimately look at the rankings right now and go one through nine and say, hmm, I can make an argument for any of them. Well, we're out of time. Uh, check him out. Coach Bo knows podcasts uh, out twice a week on all podcast platforms. Uh, and check out O'Connor Advisor Group, OAGCast.com, O'ConnorAdvisorGroup.com. Bo, and I will see you next. Uh, we'll be in person next week, uh, making the trip yeah. to uh, Lawrence and uh, we'll have a good time. Absolutely. Good to, it'll be good to see you. And, Tom, you take care. All you right. Know, you know it. <laughs> Thanks, Tyler. And take care, guys. Final segment before we go. You know what time it is. Time for our Tom Foley story of the week, where Thomas Bridges tells us something ridiculous happening in the world. Tom, where shall we head to this time? Jones, we are uh, we're going back. This is this has been a good one, um, a good source anyway. The New York Post for just outrageous, uh, just my outrageous. favorite newspaper of record. I'm sorry. It's my favorite newspaper of record. See, there you go. Um, and Jones, we're we're talking about a five year old birthday. I'm trying to find the exact location. I did read this earlier. I wanted to say it was Phoenix, but I can't. I'm not seeing exactly. We'll 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 learn together. Um, like I said, comes from New York Post, and article reads: Mom blasted for taking her son to Hooters for his fifth birthday. This kid's birthday was anything but a bust. <laughs> Parents of a five-year-old are at the eye of the social media shade storm after taking their top to Hooters on his big day. And while the giddy little boy in a viral TikTok video with over 6.9 million viewers 
is seen smiling ear to ear while flanked by a band of vivacious waitresses singing happy birthday. Digital detractors in the post comments section angrily fired off jeers at his mother and father for forcing sexualized stuff on him. Who TF, as in who the fuck, is taking their child to Hooters, especially on his birthday question, one outraged onlooker. Bro, he's five. What is he doing in Hooters? Great mom and dad. Ask another annoyed audience member who added the eye roll emoji to emphasize their discomfort. Um, so you took him to a titty restaurant. So much for protecting children, another judge, which that was my favorite comment. Um, just because of the back and forth between left and right. But in the controversial clip, several Hooter staff members outfitted in the fired chicken chains, regulation clinging booty shorts and low cut shirts, dressed the birthday boy up like a bird giving a, 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 a fake beak made out of paper products and two serving trays for wings. The doting women then invited the entire restaurant to join them in a remix birthday chant while the boy flapped his arms along to the beat. And despite the many waggish responses from haters, a number of folks online approved of the child's hooters hootenay. This is so adorable, a memory he'll never forget, said a supporter. Little buddy is living the dream. Others joked that Tyke's saucy celebration had transformed him from a boy into a man. This one's always, this is like a cliche comment, but I love it nonetheless. That day, little Tommy didn't want to play video games no more, pinned a commenter to which he could <laughs> a string of laughing emojis. Jones, um, I don't know when the first time I went to Hooters was, but I did go and I've been to other restaurants like it, like Twin Peaks. Uh, you know what? If, if parents want to do that, let them do it. I really don't care. There's shit on both sides of the of the political spectrum, you know, in in terms of over sexualization things, it goes both ways. Uh, I think this is hilarious. Uh, that's just me. Um, I guess if there was a restaurant where you took a little girl to like, or the waiters dressed up like Thunder Down Under or Magic Mike, then that could be super frowned upon as well. Um, so I get where some people are coming, but at the same time, it's not like these these girls' titties are out. He's not getting titties in his face. <laughs> you know, give him 13 years and we'll let the dad or mom take him to a strip club to get, the you know, the same titties right in his face. I don't, you know, at this point, like, it's like, okay, if they want to do it and take him to Hooters, then really, who gives a shit? That's how I feel. I think it's hilarious. Um... Obviously, the Hooters girls loved it. Uh, they dressed the kid up. Uh, you know, hell, there's... You don't hear anybody BSing that there's beer on the table. Um, that Obviously, one of the parents or whoever went is there with the beer. Um, you know, for what it's worth, I'm sure for the Hooters girls, you know, entertaining a five-year-old is probably a lot better than entertaining some... 50-year-old guy making lewd comments left and right the whole time. You know, at the same time, you get what you sign up for, but I bet it was a nice break for uh, the Hooters girls not having to deal with the weird, creepy old men. But you know what? At that point, that's what you sign up for, for working there. And if you want to take your five-year-old, by all means, do it. I, I would have went and had a hell of a time. Uh, you know, my nephew just turned two. 
So in maybe in three years, I don't, I don't know if my sister would approve of me taking my my nephew to Hooters or not. But it's this it's this kid's parents, and if this kid's parents want to parent this way, uh, I don't really see a whole lot of harm in doing it. I don't see a whole lot of harm either. I mean, you got parents taking kids to drag shows the, these days. I mean, why not take them to Hooters instead? You know, I mean, like, <laughs> I'd, take it both. I'd, I'd like to see a Hooters that's instead of Hooters girls, it's just drag. <laughs> I don't know what you, I don't know what you'd call it. You'd maybe call it knockers. <laughs> I, I don't know what you'd call it. Don't. I mean, Tom, you know my parents. Uh, this won't surprise you. Uh, <laughs> I did not go to a Hooters for the very first time until I was 18 years old, out of the house. And <laughs> uh, you've been to the Kansas Speedway. My first one was the Hooters by the racetrack uh, there. It was after a race. And I remember... <laughs> I'm just, I'm just gonna embarrass myself here, Tom. Uh, I uh, after the race, I go there, and I'm like, "Wow, this place is awesome." My waitress, she was really cool, and and it was real cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like she was flirting with me, whatever, and and I was convinced, like, "Wow, she's she's kind of into me, whatever." I'm gonna, I, I was. You, you knew how I was back then. You know, I was kind of maybe overambitious of sorts. <laughs> and I'm like, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to – I thought I was so so smart to think of this. I thought I was at the time. Like, I'm going to leave her my business card and tell her that she can hit me up anytime. And, you know, and surely she'll call me or text me or whatever. And uh, I did. And uh, never heard from her. And, uh, and I was disappointed and, and maybe because this might be on the, on the, a bit going too far, whatever. I even found her on like Instagram and I followed her, follow me back or anything. And I I was, I was very disappointed. Like I thought we had a great time. I thought I had a good night there, but, uh, that was that. So, I mean, that, that was, that was my first experience at Hooters. I was, I had a great one night there and, uh, and she didn't remember who I was. Well, left a nice big tip, and yeah, yeah. yeah. But see, that's yeah. how they. Now, fast forward to uh, the twenty-six-year-old Tyler Jones, and you know, you talk about things coming full circle. So, I was. Uh, this was probably about two or three months ago. I went into Hooters for dinner one night, and. Uh, my waitress, I'm like, okay, yeah. I mean, she, she, uh, I was wearing like KU hat or something. And she's giving me crap about wearing KU stuff. I'm like, this is a little aggressive, you know, like, you know, and, and she's, she's been fun about it. I'm like, good grief, you know what's going on here. And, uh, and she tells me, she's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm going to K State. And then in my mind, I'm like, uh, Oh, what? I mean, like, now, now roles are reversed here. I'm like, I haven't gotten that much older, am I? Where I was the college kid, excited to go to Hooters, and now my waitresses are, like, the college kids. You know, I'm like, wow, that was, it was like a gut check moment. And then 
uh, she tells me she's like a, a journalism student. And uh, I'm like, okay, that's cool, cool. And at this point, like, I- I'm just doing what I can to be nice, you know? And, and so I'm like, well, uh, you know, it, it, are you doing any internships or anything? She tells me that she goes to K-State. And I'm thinking like, okay, you know, she's probably, you know, at least in her 20s or something, you know, like, and I gave her my number, but not, not for anything, not trying to get anything out of it. I was literally just, I was literally trying to be helpful. I said, hey, uh, you know, I know people up there, you know, if you need internships or anything, here's my number. I can put you in the place with the right people. And, uh, and then to come to find out, uh, she told me later, oh yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm 18, headed to K-State to be a freshman. I'm like, oh, man. It, it just it just got worse and worse with the more info I knew, Tom. There you go. I, I can imagine 18-year-old Tyler Jones walking into Hooters for the first time and just walking through the front door and just going, oh, my God. <laughs> oh, oh, my God. Oh, man. I think, I think I'm trying to think whenever I was. I feel like, oh, I know exactly where. I was in Texas. I was probably in middle school, maybe. Yeah. And and I was there for my sister's softball tournament. And the softball tournament was going along. And my it was, you know, obviously my older sister playing softball. And, you know, my younger sister was there. And I I do believe that me and my dad went to Hooters for the first time. Well, I went to Hooters with him which was my first time when I was probably like, I bet I was like fifth, sixth grade. Um, so, you know, and she, you know, jokingly, I can remember it saying, don't tell your mom where we went, you know, kind of like a father son deal. Is that a little fucked up? Maybe, you know, in the grand scheme of things, I don't really like, I still think it's funny. I actually, know? I don't know if you remember this time, but you and I, we were covering like some, high school basketball uh, here in Texas. This this is when I was like a senior in high school or something. And you and I, I went with you to Twin Peaks for my very first time. Did we? We went to Twin Peaks. Was that, that wasn't the AAU, was it? Yeah, it was. Yeah, our production team. We went to Twin Peaks. Oh, we sure, yeah, we sure did. I do remember that. Because Josh went too, didn't he? Uh, I don't think Josh went, but I, I remember uh, else, a couple I other people. Thomas Walking Stick went, our producer. Yep. Um, Bailey went. Uh, there, there was a couple of us that went. Oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah, that is true. Sure did go. Uh, dang, that's been a long time. Yeah. I do fun. remember that. Because I, yep. And I remember I got a couple of beers, but I think you were a lot of everybody else is too young to get beer. (laughs) Um, See see how many good memories Hooters and places like that bring. So it can, it can only be beneficial for this five-year-old. I don't actually, I I can't say that he doesn't really know. He's not like he's, you know, I don't think he's going to his, his, uh, you're going to see more of a swimming pool than you're going to see at Hooters. Yeah. Especially if, Depending on where you go, like, I mean, it's it's all over now. And so, you know, maybe back in the day it wasn't so prevalent, but that kid's going to be, by the time he's in fifth, sixth grade, like, he's going to know what the hell's going on. Right. Uh, I mean, that's just the way of the world. 
now. You know, it was a little bit different when now I'm now I'm aging myself as I am three days over thirty years old. Uh, uh, R.I.P. It was your birthday uh, this past week. Uh, happy birthday to you again. Before we go, uh, any uh, any final thoughts on uh, being 30 years old? Uh, you're never too old for Hooters, though. No, no, never too, you know, and in this case, I guess never too young. Um, but, you know, speaking of uh, Hooters and things like that, I was in Vegas. I did not go to any uh, places that were like Hooters um, or could even be uh, Hooters after dark. None of those type places if you catch my drift. Um, but the people on the street in Vegas, you know, this kid, it's, I've seen some kids in Vegas. I've seen a bunch of kids on Fremont Street. Um, and it can't be any worse than what these kids would see on Fremont Street because there were multiple. I did see Jones. I've seen this pair of nuns. Like, not literal nuns, but just two women dressed up like nuns. And they were in the full nun getup, except they had their titties out and they were painted. Um, and had literal, like, the cross over their nipples. And my dad said, well, we walked by and he goes, all right. He's like, I've seen enough. <laughs> and, you know, kids walking also down the strip with that type of stuff. So if, uh, you know, if Vegas can do it, then I don't really see any harm in, in, a, in a Hooters get up. Huh. Oh, man. H happy birthday to that five-year-old. Happy birthday to the five-year-old. Um, I can't wait one day to take my son to Hooters. You know, would you, would you would you take your daughter to the equivalent of a of a male Hooters? Uh, I would not, but if the, the, the water comes to or something, you know, by all means, just don't tell me about it. <laughs> there you there you go. You know, <laughs> friend of the show Dominic Oregon, uh, who's one of my two co-hosts in Let's Go Racing. Uh, he just had a kid. Congrats to he and his uh, new wife Elise. Uh, baby Christopher just born this week. And, uh, you know, I'm even though Dominic and I aren't related, we might as well be, you know, he's, he's like a brother to me. And, and, uh, you know, I, I'm the uncle now and, uh, Dominic, if you're listening, I can't wait to one day take my nephew, Christopher to Hooters. Um, you know, I, I think that'd be a great experience. Uh, I think, Christopher, uh, as he's into the world now, just know that I'm, uh, I'll take you out for a nice meal to, to Hooter someday, whenever you're ready, young man. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that's, you know, there's some people that have the uh, coming-of-age moments, you know, the, the bar mitzvahs or, um, you know, the quinceañeras, you know, stuff like that. For me and Tom – it's your first visit to Hooters. There you go. That's that's about as Oklahoma backwoods as you get it. <laughs> you know, when you're, that's when your dad takes you in there and he says, well, I remember seeing my first pair of titties. You know, as bad as that golly. <laughs> On that note, we'll get out of here. Big thanks to uh, TJ Reeves for joining us. Uh, Coach Bo, Ron O'Connor, you the listener for stopping by as well follow us on social media uh at tyler jones live on twitter instagram and facebook studio soapbox uh twitter facebook 
Instagram, Jones underscore reports, Thomas underscore bridges on Twitter, Insta Thomas on Instagram. Uh, you guys can find us there. Subscribe to the show. New episodes out each and every Thursday. Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you listen to podcasts. Leave us a five-star review or don't leave us one at all. Check out the Studio Soapbox Network, this show. Raw Tools with uh, Luke Slaybaugh, Coach Bo, Let's Go Racing, Bevo Boys. All of those shows are the Studio Soapbox Network. Check us out. You'll be glad you did. For Thomas Bridges and our entire crew, I'm Tyler Jones. Thanks so long. It's been another edition of the Jones Report. We'll see you next week.